situation normal. All... All fouled up. This is Snafu. Greetings, comrades, for a special episode of Snafu. Uh, with me is Pat. Hey, guys. And Dale. Hey, everyone. And hopefully, barring technical issues, we may have another special guest with us later. Jeff is uh, actually in France. Is that where he is right now? He's, He's in the middle of Senegal. Senegal. Africa. He's actually going to Africa. Yeah, so uh, Jeff will not be joining us today. And Dale's already raising his hands in our thing, so... Watch out, everyone. Uh, we're going to go straight into our hobby updates. Oh, oh. Did someone else join us? Yeah, I'm back. Hey, it's Jesse. In case you have not uh, listened to our last episode, Jesse was with us last episode, too. Hopefully, he'll stay with us this time. Uh, say hi, Jesse. Hi. So, if, uh, if you haven't seen our note on Facebook, this is our, our Russian episode, not our German episode. Uh, Jeff requested that he be here for when we do the, um, the German one, so we thought we'd skip over it for now and do the Russian one, and Jesse was a perfect fit for it because he plays Russians. So, uh, let's go through our hobby updates. Uh, Dale, what have you been working on? You probably haven't been working on a whole lot since you just got back from vacation. But um, yeah, it has been a, it has been a bunch. But when I when I rolled back in into the house and I checked the date, I noticed that it was like a month away from from the tourney that's coming up. Oh boy! <laughs> so I've got to I've got to figure something out. So um, I sat down this weekend and I was going to begin uh, putting some paint on my display board for this um, project um, that I hope to complete in time for the tournament. And just as I was about ready to fire everything up, I kind of um, have been thinking about how these armies come together. And I don't remember if if we talked about this the last couple times we've uh, gotten together, but how when you're mixing your colors and stuff like that and doing your painting, how you can use the exact same colors, but something isn't exactly, it's not exactly the same or it's a little bit off. And so I didn't want to paint up my display board and then come back later to my bases and paint them up and then not have them be the same. So I decided to um, do all my bases as well and then just paint it all together so that um, they'll be the same. And so I've been working on sculpting up my bases. I've got um, seven, I've got 25 of them done. And the rest of them um, I'm starting to work on, but they're not um, as complete. So um, that's where I'm at. Hopefully in the next couple of days I'll have that complete. And then I'll be able to crank the airbrush up and and start putting the color down for everything. So I also um, uh, fully assembled... um, my infantry for my list and so they're all sitting there and then i've got my three vehicles one's almost assembled and two more to go so assembly and basing done by the end of next week and then that should give me three four weeks to get my infantry done that's an awful lot of stuff for a guy who's on vacation yeah did you take it with you uh, no, no, I've, I've, um, I had a half day on that Friday. That would have been dedication. I had a, I had a half day on Friday um, uh, because of the holiday, and so I came home and did that that half day and then most of yesterday with, um, with the bases as well. So that's that, uh, it's a busy, busy couple of days. Well, you've actually gotten more than I've gotten done, but 
We'll get into that in a minute. How about you, Pat? I'm just going I'm just, I'm just to say ditto. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw some pictures on our on the page that have said otherwise. You've gotten more paint on stuff than I have. Why don't you give us an update on what you're working on? All right, so I've I've finally completed, and I think I'm done futzing with my North uh, Northern Europe board. So that's nice. I think there might be a little crowded for train, but I think play it a couple times and see what we want to do with that. But actual paint wise and assembly, that's all done. So I'm going to move on to the next thing, which is I'm trying to. Well, I've got that Pegasus bridge, so I'm doing some train and some hills, and I I did pick up that Scarbox uh, mat from from Skybox Mats, so it's actually a really nice one for Pegasus Bridge, and I've been doing that, and I think we I think we put some pictures uh, up on Facebook with the Miles and Rocky had played that game last last Thursday uh, on it, and having played through there, I'm like, okay, now I know how I can kind of make this a little bit better, some tweaks I might have to put in there, some that do a little balancing with the train on that. So that's, that's uh, kind of kicking on the side. What is coming up is for Bug Eater, as I've all of a sudden, somehow, I turn around and I've got like 50-some paratroopers. I have no idea. I mean, the guys are like just growing out of my closet, apparently. Are you pouring water on them, like gremlin style? Yeah, I'm feeding them after midnight, I guess. No, oh, that turns so, them into Germans. Okay. Just adding water makes more of them. That, that must be the case. It turns them into Germans. <laughs> well, oh, man. That wasn't prepared, was it, Rick? No, totally unprepared. That just came out of my head. Sorry. Okay. All right. I mean, it's kind no of idea. Funny, you were but funny. It might, be, it might be a little offensive too. I hey guys, hey yet, guys. So. Every once in a while, I can be funny. Just, <laughs> just, just bear with me. Apparently, I'm on one of those moods. All right. So you're as funny as uh, you're. You're funny as often as you're right. I'll remember. That. There you go. <laughs> Ooh. Blue, blue moons. Blue moons and Rick's comedy. Yep, there you go. So, anyway, I had I had 22 paratroopers, which seemed pretty good, so I could put some together, and then I I got that 40% off deal on the last day of Adepticon. I'm like, well, crap, can't really pass that up, you know, for an entire kit of Red Devils. And then got home, and like, okay, I need just a couple more guys to round it out, and then I found my Pegasus Bridge and realized that there's another 10 guys in there. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, now I have, like, 50 of these guys. Anyway, wait, wait. So your Pegasus Bridge comes with guys too? Yeah, it, it's got oh, twenty nice. Germans and ten paratroopers. Yeah, so oh, that actually makes the price kind of more reasonable in my mind now that you say that. I, yes, it's, and it also comes with uh, an anti-tank gun in addition to like a bunker and stuff oh, like that. Okay, so wow, it's, it's a little bit more of a full-fledged kit than I expected. Right, it's it's actually set up for you to, and it comes with like three different scenarios with the dudes that come with it that you can just play the whole thing out of the box like a starter kit. It doesn't come with any dice right or anything. Well, so yeah, cool. what it didn't come with was the was the the glider that I had to put together and paint. But you know, they did recommend one in particular, so I got that model. So that's sitting on there. So now, so, yeah, now I've got thirty thirty some remaining paratroopers to paint and well I get I get to practice more with uh, painting camouflage so I'm pretty excited about that I guess you sound so sarcastic uh, yeah, like that was not so sure, certain yeah no my, my ability to paint camouflage I believe I've, I've mentioned prior podcasts is woefully lacking but I've got some more opportunities to practice so that's going to probably oh it was probably going to bog me down for a week or two to get through those at least they're all base coated and First, first base layers and everything. Now I just have to do the first wash, and then I can start coming back with highlights and stuff like that. So, a couple of weeks, and I should be through all those guys, and that should be I should have them ready. So what? Bug eaters June. So they should be ready to rock and roll for then. So. Right on. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. How about you, Rick? What's what's sitting on your table? 
Uh, I'm still working on those darn Americans. Uh, it's, I'm going back and forth on stuff. Uh, I'm learning that I really, really, really want to use bars, but I really, really, really don't want to use bars simply because they're a pain in the ass to put together. Is that like, the B-A-R? Yes, yeah, sorry, B-A-R. Thank you. I always get them wrong. Uh, yeah, so I, my first list had, every unit had three BARs, and then it went quickly to two, and now it's almost one, one a unit just because they're, they, they're awful. I, I don't want to put them together. They're, why why I, are they awful? What's wrong with them? Aren't they just a weapon you put in hands? They don't, yeah, but they don't fit. They they're uh, just super awkward and they're huge guns and they're just really comp like gross. Okay. Don't they have? I mean, like I, I know the British uh, plastic kit has the different arms for the different guns. Didn't they have one so, specifically for the BAR? <laughs> it's a funny story. I okay. may have clipped every arm off the sprue and put it in a bin. Uh, not realizing that maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. That was probably a bad choice. There's your problem. Oh, so it was an ID-10T error. Yeah, yes, yeah, kind of. Well, so, so also keep in mind I'm working on two separate lists right now. So the cat's out of the bag. I'm actually working on one of our other clubmates is not really into bolt action. He wasn't into it. He was kind of... He's a lone ranger of the holdout. Right, yep, he's a holdout. He doesn't want to play. So... I so actually, we're gonna just gonna have to what Pearl Harbor or Pearl Harbor him or something? Is that what we're gonna do? Uh, I don't know if that's what this is or not. But so basically, I'm building him a list. I'm going to paint it for him and then give it to him and say, "Quiet down, play this game with us. Get over it. Stop playing your other silly games. We're gonna play this." So I'm working on that one, and then I'm working on my Marines at the same time. So it's kind of like it's becoming a bit of a problem. So. On top of that, I also didn't have enough BARs for both his list and my list. Well, then obviously you short his. Of course. Duh. Duh. That's a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, so, no, it's, it, it's become a nightmare. I also got some uh, preliminary paint on a third of my uh, jungle board. Other than that, I've been a single dad all week, so I didn't get a whole lot of time to do what I do that. I watched all the Star Wars instead, so Sorry. That that happened. Yeah, I, I you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because I finally watched Rogue One three times in the last 48 hours. See, I watched Rogue One once, and then I basically watched all the other episodes with it, and then I might there went my entire week and a half of whatever hobby I was supposed to get done done. Yeah, yeah, I watched Whoops. it. I watched it Friday night. Then my wife watched it Saturday, and we got she got to the end of it. She's like, "Okay, let's watch that again." I'm like, uh, "Okay." So. <laughs> it's funny. I got to the end of it. And I wanted to watch A New Hope, so. Nice. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's mine. One or two. Uh, So unfortunately, I bought it on iTunes. So the only option I have is two. Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately. So Jesse, uh, what have you been up to, hobby wise? Well, not a whole lot, but I did also buy a cigar mat box, or. (laughs) A mat from Cigar (laughs) Box. (laughs) Those be Cubans. Wow. Um, at least, um, at least you pronounce it correctly. It sounded like Starbucks when Pat was talking about it. <laughs> uh, so right now I'm building. I have assembled terrain, buildings for it, um, and so I'm just putting paint on those buildings. Um, right now I'm doing a. It's a Stalingrad map, and yeah, I bought some new pigments from Secret Weapon. So I'm gonna test those out on. 
on the terrain and then go back and do some highlights, do, add some pigments to my Soviet army and move on to the next one. I like you're going to start with the terrain and then move back into the tanks versus vice versa. <laughs> not Just... not much of the tra- tanks, but mostly the infantry. Oh, okay. Cool. Now, your pigments, um, you're not one of the airbrushers yet, are you, Jesse? No. Okay. So this is all with actual pigments with your brush. Okay, that'll be cool. I'll be interested to see how you, you make that work. Yeah, I'm interested. I don't really know too much of what I'm doing, so it's just going to be flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> That's what they made YouTube for. Oh, yeah, that that too. Actually, it's kind of cool. Uh, uh, like he exp- They explained it at the Seeker Weapon booth while we were at Adepticon, and it, it, what made it kind of cool, and it, it's something that didn't really click with me until, until he explained it, is like, okay, you mix two paint colors together, right? They... They are they mix. They're a hundred percent mixed, so you get a new color, right? There's there's no granularity to it. It is a, it is becomes a new color. You mix red and green, it becomes or red and blue, it becomes purple, right? When you use the when you use the secret the the powders, there he basically the the analogy he uses is that it's comparable to uh, pixels on a computer screen. They they don't mix. They they may be a, a saturation level difference, but they don't actually mix. If that makes sense, and that was where I was like, oh wow, that's really cool. So you can actually get some different, uh, you get some different techniques out of it. And I think that was really cool, a, a really cool way to explain it, and actually made a lot of sense. That that's exactly what it is. I've I've used those before when I was doing my my snow effects in a different game. And that's I mix those, and you you need to have a medium with them, depending which one you use. Uh, yeah. When I was when I was doing the snow effects, I mean the easiest one was uh, realistic water because I wanted that to have a little gloss with it. But yeah, the pigments they're they're a whole different animal to painting. They're it's, they're a lot of fun once you get it once you get used to them. Yeah, I I thought they were really cool. How about anything else, Jesse, or is that what you're working on? That's pretty much what I'm working on. Cool. So. I'll, I'll kind of go into the other things that I've been working on because these are things that are that have taken me away from doing a little bit of the hobby stuff. Is uh, so I don't know if you guys saw if you follow us on Facebook and if you don't you probably should if you like us that's fine whatever if you don't. Um, but we're so we're running a, a, a bolt action tournament at Renegade in November. So it's a long ways away still. So we're in the planning stages of it and we're trying to work through some stuff. So a lot of the stuff I'm working on is. Uh, Getting you know, getting us some terrain. Hopefully, we'll be making a fairly large order soon here of a, a fairly substantial amount of terrain for us to be able to use for our tournament. Um, and on top of that, doing dice bags, and I'm trying to do snafu dice. Hopefully, we'll get some snafu dice in the near future. That might be a little bit tricky. We're still working on it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. Do we want to go like? Who wants to talk about uh, some of the details? I think Dale, maybe you have some of the best insight as to what what we're thinking as far as like the actual tournament itself? Sure. Um, actually, it's just kind of what um, what we've talked about recently. Um, uh, Pat and I both talked to Jeff before, before he got on his plane um, Thursday night when we got together. So right now, just kind of back and forth between the guys, we're, we're kind of discussing a little bit of like points levels and things like that. And I think, I think what we've done is right now our favorite point level is 1250. Is that right, guys? Yep. 
Okay. Now, my, my, I think on the last, I'm not really a holdout in that regard, but my only concern about that points level is, you know, based, I think we're talking two and a half hour rounds, um, is it realistic that you can complete a game at that points level between two opponents? And so, you know, you guys have more experience than I do in that regard. I think you guys are feeling like that's totally fine. Well, based on the fact that Nationals this year was 12.50. And I didn't hear any feedback of, oh, you know, we didn't never got a game finished or anything like that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's... Okay. And if anyone played in Nationals and, and knows for sure, I mean, heck, uh, send us a message, leave us a post. If that's totally realistic, then I think I'd, it doesn't seem out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, if anyone has any feedback about whether or not that time that worked, I think the big difference we're going to do, I don't, I don't, I'm actually stepped away for one second there, whether or not they were talking about the single platoon, I think that's something that we've, as a group, pretty much agreed on in this tournament, um, is that we're not going to allow multiple platoons, and I think that'll speed things up considerably. Okay, right, and I think the idea or the benefits of the 1250 based off of what we've bounced back and forth is uh, at the single platoon, that might encourage um, the players to bring something uh, that they wouldn't normally build, at least from an efficiency Panther. standpoint. Right. In addition, <laughs> um, I don't even know that, um, other than nationals, that there's uh, 1250 kind of here in the Midwest. So that kind of will um, give the, also the players the opportunity to kind of, you know, yeah, yeah thousand seems to new. be seems to be pretty static. Seems okay. to be a very what most uh, tournaments are pointing at. So I think, yeah, I think like Rick and I had talked, and 1250 kind of gives you a chance to bring more of the toys than you normally would in a single platoon. Or if you do multiple platoons, you're you're wanting to stretch yourself out to try and maximize that multiple platoon. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I think that the single platoon at this point's level, and also it'd be kind of fun for, you know, if if everyone's just used to running that 1,000 points and all of a sudden we've got this 1250 event, then maybe they'll put something new out there and and paint something up so they've got something new and fun to play that they can get excited about which is also yeah. something that is kind of a cool thing to do so i think that's why we're headed that way it, it i i like the idea of you know somebody bringing a bunch of more transports because they have the points to spare for it whereas before you know like they're trying to say okay i'm bringing one truck because that's all i can afford like, or even hey i'm going to bring three transports i have three transports i want to put them on the table for once right yeah you know, there's or, opportunities yeah. Or some ridiculously huge Russian tank that you bought at Adepticon um, that you would never get to play. <laughs> <any other way. laughs> not not hinting or anything like that. No, I mean don't, I don't don't poke that bear. <laughs> right, it's it's trying to maximize the fun while not necessarily allowing some of the more uh, less balanced lists in. If that makes sense. Right. Hey, so. One one thing I just want to jump in. I saw that uh, not on our Facebook page, but on uh, one of our local Bolt Action pages, someone asked us if we were planning on having this being Warlord sanctioned. And right now, I've been in contact with uh, Nick Simonson over at Warlord in Europe, and Simerson, and he has bounced me over to John Russell, who's the U.S. guy, to uh, see what we have to do or what you know. We'll get the idea, spit it ball at him, and he'll. He'll let us know, and we're, our, I guess our plan is to have it, you know, Warlord thumbs ups, you know, sanctioned and or sponsored even. So right on. That's that's awesome. still in the works. Yeah, very Thanks. cool. Thanks, Pat, for working on that part of it. Yeah. Hey, not a problem. I can't make you do everything. Uh, fair enough. I I try and do everything, but I can't. 
We won't let you. Yeah. So again, yeah, we're kind of in the in the planning stages of this. This is all kind of preliminary. Nothing is really officially announced, but we kind of wanted to give everybody a little bit of um, an idea of kind of what we're thinking about. So that's your point level. You know, the single platoon. Um, we're going to try this as an Axis versus Allies event. Um, so 20 players total, so there will be 10 Axis players and 10 Allies players. And so we thought it would be kind of cool or fun um, to put put the teams together as early as possible and also release all of the scenarios as quickly as possible. Just working on the scenarios now. Uh, it sounds like his plan is to have linked scenarios, round one, round two, round three, on specific tables, and then with the five, no, with the ten tables that are out there, three specific tables will be what he's referring to as objective tables, which means that the outcome of those specific tables um, will um, impact the play or future play of each of the teams, depending upon what actually happens. And that might be sound. That might sound similar to the teams' events at Adepticon. Is that how that worked at Acon? It was similar, but we never knew which table had any was going to have any impact on it. Okay. Yeah. So was, there's a lot of variance in like, our stuff. Yeah, it was all of a sudden, like, hey, because what happened between this person and this person, this. We're like, okay. And as far as I understand, even the people playing on that board didn't understand what was going on. They, they yeah. didn't know what they right. were playing for. There was no skin in the game as far as, like, oh, I need to win this because it's going to help everyone or anything like that. It was more like, I just need to win because that's good for us all. Because overall. winning is fun. Right. Okay. Yeah. And winning right. is dumb. And I think that our objective tables, one is going to be a communications array-based table, another one is an industrial table, and I think the third one is an airfield, if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right, guys? I was somewhere in there, somewhere in there was an artillery field of some kind. I think we were going to utilize the Pegasus Bridge as one of those. I don't remember exactly. I mean, we're, we're still kicking these ideas around. Okay. But, but I think the big thing that, uh, that I, don't, I think it was you that came up with it, Dale, that we actually wanted to have the Axis and Allies meet as a group before the game and determine who they're going to send to those objective tables. Right. And so um, ahead of the game or ahead of the tournament, you know, you're going to know who's on your team. You're going to know what the tables are, how they look. You're going to know what the scenarios are going to be on those tables. And so the idea is that, you know, each round there will be those three objective tables live. And so each one of the teams, the Axis team and the Allies team, you will be setting your own matchups. So if you are really, you know, really motivated to play on an objective table, you'll communicate that to your team, and, and then you'll just do your matchups based on that. We may put some limitation on it where you can't um, play on an objective table more than once in a tournament. Right. Um, but the idea also is that in the pre-planning prior to the tournament – if we release the names for everybody and what their email addresses are, we're not really sure how this is going to work or if we're going to do it. But you could um, actually tailor your list to fight on specific tables within specific scenarios. But we're thinking about maybe finding a way to get the groups of players kind of together so that they might be able to even plan a little bit in advance, you know, so that um, you're not completely caught off guard if, if there's an infantry objective table and you, you know, are really light on infantry, then you might not want to end up on that table. So we wanted to give the the, the teams, the players, a little bit of control over over um, the outcome of of the tournament because it really is it's going to come down to you know one team's going to win, the other team's going to lose. Um, so prizes will or, or or the winners will be the winning team, 
I think we're going to do a player's choice. We've talked about that. That was a very Madden saying, by the way. The winners win. Just yeah, yeah. Just losers clear. will lose. <laughs> yeah, the winners will lose. win. So, so the, the guy team who that has scores the most more points, points, yeah, they win. Will end up winning. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And so, I think that Jeff is arranging the scenario so there aren't any draws, at least on the objective tables. So, um, yeah, we just kind of want to give the players as much control over the outcome as they can. Also, I've put in a personal request: no attacker defender scenarios. Um, I, I just don't feel like that's fun. Some of them are interesting, and a lot of them are difficult. Right. They can I, be fun, but they can be also they can be very put somebody on their back foot real quick. Right, and just just listening to a lot of of the reports from Acon or other tournaments, I really feel like far more often than not, I'll hear a, a, a player talk about, well, I lost the role, um, and I ended up being the attacker, and it, I just there wasn't I had maybe a really slim chance so and i never really feel like that's a good outcome at a tournament so but we'll see jeff's working on that and we'll probably have more information um once he comes back we'll get that ironed out and and i'm sure you know with amongst us in our club we'll we'll certainly kind of iron out these scenarios just to make sure that they're you know they have a chance or we might discover a, a hint that we'll throw up in our podcast or our, or our website that hey you know if you get this scenario here's the kind of build you want to look for you never know what we might run into. Yeah, needless to say, we'll be talking about it again for the next six months plus. Six or seven months. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just finished with uh, with Easter or spring break, so naturally we'll worry about what's coming up in Thanksgiving. Let's just skip the summer. Right, yeah, I mean, July 4th doesn't count. Right. Nothing else matters. We're going to go straight to November because that's when the snow starts falling. Yeah, so... We'll, uh, we'll see what happens. We, I'm excited to see what we come up with. Uh, we've had lots of people reach out and help us or to suggest or not suggest but offer help. And I wanted to reach out and say thank you to all those people. I think we have everything under control right now, as far as I can tell. We might reach out to some of you guys again in the near future. It could uh, very well be, you know, Halloween or like, uh, you said you had terrain. Can, can, can you really bring <laughs> some? We didn't right. get that far. Yeah. No, I've had multiple people reach out to us. But, yeah, so I think we have a great community here. Uh, and I want to thank you all for offering your support as much as we can, and we'll we'll lean on you as much as we have to when we have to. So hopefully we won't did, have to. Did we talk yeah. about tournament size? Is it is it capacity based on the room? So or is it possibly expandable? It's so it's twenty players, and I don't think it's expandable. We haven't done the final walkthrough of the facility yet, but what I from what I understand that we don't have the largest space. We have what's going to be called the coolest space because. Sunday is Saga, so the people that play Saga, there's a lot of overlap there. So the, the, the guy running the Saga event, Eric, is we've been in communication with each other. We're, making, we're going to make the, the Bolt Action slash Saga room the coolest room in the whole place. So Oh, nice. Okay, so we'll be sharing a room. I like that. Yeah, it's, it'll be cool. And, and we've, we were coordinating with each other because we didn't want to overlap each other because historicals and then that uh, they're, they're two different historicals, and we thought we didn't want to – poach from one another if we could. And I imagine that they want to play in the bolt-action tournament. Right, well. and Eric, Eric, it, it, that's true. <laughs> Eric was very adamant. He's like, I want to be able to play in the bolt-action thing, so whenever your thing is, I'm going to do Saga at a different time just to make sure I can play in the bolt-action event. Interesting. Which I thought was awesome. Yeah, I might have to crack open my Cross and Crescent book and try to do a little Saga. We'll see. See, jump, jump it back and forth. That could be cool. So Saga's on that. Sunday. Yeah, I love the tournament reciprocity, so... 
Yeah. No, and, and Eric Kagan is a real cool guy. He, he arguably has some of the coolest terrain. Mm-hmm. He ran all the Saga Adepticon stuff. He knows what he's doing. So I'm going to lean on him the most because I think he's got a he's got the winning recipe in my mind as far as how tournaments run. So Okay. Um, yeah, so we're talking about this right now because I think Rick announced officially that the pre-registration is coming up, and we just kind of wanted to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what, which way we're leaning, hopefully generate some interest. And so some to be fair, I didn't really do it. Renegade pushed it forward, and it got announced before I even was ready to – before we were really ready to do it. Cool. So – as a recording, uh, so this is Easter Sunday. They they're giving a two week warning, so I think it's May first is the week. There is the day that they're going to start registration. Hopefully, this will be out before then. I, I presume it will be, but yeah. So so it's twenty bucks. We're capped to twenty players this year, partially because of the number of uh, the number of tables we're going to have to supply, but also because of the space that we've been given. Um, we don't have the biggest room. We have a, a smaller room comparative to the big spaces. We're not, you know, we're not Age of Sigmar or 40K. So we're we're, we're, we're given what we're given. With, we're not bigger than X Wing. What the hell? No, yeah, no, we're definitely not bigger than X Wing either. So you know, and and this is kind of their interim space. I don't know if this is going to be their long term goal of of keeping it at this place in Plymouth, or if they're going to move it move it to a bigger venue in the future. I know they're trying to grow it to the scale of like Adepticon. That's their dream. Um, that would be awesome if they could get that big and we were we were part of it. That would be awesome. But that's a ways they're away. Actually, they're actually trying to like uh, get like a vendor hall thing going. Correct. Too. Yeah. So they're working with all the. So they they went around to all the vendors at Adepticon and was were trying to get them to come out for this. Hopefully they'll get some of them. I have no idea how many they'll get. I know there's a fair fair number that I think were interested in it. We'll see what happens. But it'd be awesome if they got a vendor hall included in this. So yeah, that that drive is so much better than going to Chicago for me. <laughs> that would be awesome. It's, it's literally like seven miles from my house. So marginally really... worse weekend. I'm just going to say if they continue to do it the weekend before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm not real keen on that, but that's just me. I I that's kind of like you're you're, you're pushing the edge of where my wife will allow. Just just saying, future years we'll see what happens. So yeah, that's I mean. It's a big deal for us. We're we're excited to run our first tournament. Uh, this will be our first, and maybe we shouldn't say this on on the air because I know the guys at the Renegade might be nervous if I say this. But this is our first tournament that we will be running as a club or as a podcast. But I think we we have some really awesome ideas, and I'm super excited for the ideas that have come out of this group. Hey, we, and I, we we did uh, technically Dale and I. I think I don't know if you were there or not, but we did do a. Back in the day with Warhammer, we did do a, a pre-Warhammer uh, tournament. So we've run one for sure that I Oh, that's right. We did. We did. We ran a yeah, pre-North Star event, didn't we? I yes, did that two years, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot all about that. As I, I, so, I recollect that now. I was I played or was it part of it. I don't remember. But And we've been in plenty of tournaments. Well, we, I think we'll find it's not exactly the same thing. Probably not. <laughs> we're gonna be the we're gonna be the ones to be like, just give us a minute, just give us a minute. <laughs> Rick, <laughs> a little bit of um, a little bit of housekeeping. Have we gone through the registration process for Renegade at this point? Do we need to figure out a way for them to submit if they do sign up if they're gonna play for the Axis or the Allies? Um, you know, I have not cleaned that up yet as far as how okay. people are going to are going to apply for that, is which side they're on. I'm hoping that we're going to get pretty close and that we'll be able to swing it with the Soviets. Like, you know, essentially we'll be able to swing which side some of those players play on. But okay. um, we, 
we will have all their email addresses. I know that's captured with registration. So it's the the renegadeopen.com, I think, is the website. I'm going to go try it right now. Uh, and if you go there right now... Yeah, actually, I have that one open right now. Yeah, I'm just, just making just so sure that that's too. actually it. Sorry. Renegade, the, it's not the Renegade. It's renegadeopen.com. And if you go there right now, their website is not up to date. They're having a bunch of their... They're working through some things, logistics, with a new website. So just keep that in mind. Um, the only other thing I have to say about that is that it is a charity event in some fashion. There will be some some level of participation with Toys for Tots. That's their goal is to, to raise as much money as they can for children that don't have or are, are not capable of having getting presents for Christmas. So we're putting that out there now. We haven't solved how we're going to do that yet, but it is a Toys for Tots event. So every every tournament has some obligation to try and help raise money for that. So we'll we'll figure out a way to do that. We'll talk to you guys about it more when we, when we come up with an idea for that. But I thought I'd throw that out there just to make sure everyone knows that that's what's going on. So. All right. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of where we're at right now. Is um, kind of watch this space as we get more information or yep. or nail some things down. Um, we'll um, we'll pass that along. I am really excited with how the tables are coming along. So yeah, um, so far so good. And we're gonna have a whole. We're gonna have a big push this summer, hopefully to to make some more cool tables. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, we um we kind of and this is maybe this is just where I'm at personally, but I really feel an obligation to the tournaments that we've. Um, that we've participated in in the past and all the effort they put in to just have these amazing tables that were very cool to play on. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're doing those guys and those tournaments proud um, to at least attain that level, if not find a way to, to even top that, you know, we want to have, we want to have the best, best tournament that, um, that there's, there's around. So do you want my gingerbread house table or not? Um, Careful now. If we move it to after Thanksgiving, just before Christmas, we'll talk about it. But yeah, for for a merry mayhem, that's fine. <laughs> uh, that's a whole other snafu we're not going to talk about. We're gonna we're gonna let that one die eventually here, right, Pat? You didn't even have to freaking play on the table. No, I had to hear about you playing on it though. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, Jeremy, we love you. It's okay. Anyway, so I don't know if I said this. Uh, our registration is going to be $20. That's going to help support uh, the room rental fees as well as price support. Um, and that's really, we're going to try and put much as much of it back into price support as we can. So that's that's the last bit I have on, on the Renegade Open stuff. Anyone else? I'm all set. Thanks. That's, that's good as far as that tournament. We're still kicking around these ideas, so don't hold us to them. Bang. There you go. The lawyer, the lawyer bit in the end there. That's that's an important caveat is that this is still all up in the air. Yep. So we haven't heard from Jesse in a while. He's probably painting uh, a thousand Soviets right now. So we're going to take or, a sh- short break. Or one T twenty eight. Or one T twenty eight. All right. So we're going to take a short break and we're going to come back. Oh, he just muted his microphone again. So that's fine. Oh, it's on my. I'm muted. still here. He's all right, just proving he's, he's awake. Yep. He's a, he's all right. He's awake. So we're going to take a short break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk about the Soviets. Mm-hmm. 
Welcome back. Uh, hopefully you guys like the music. I don't know what it is like normal, but uh, we're going to go into the Russians, the Soviets, as the armies of the Soviets. Is that what they're actually called? The, the Soviet Union. Be, um, a Soviet march. It will be a Soviet march. All right, good call. Yeah, we're going to make sure that uh, throughout all of these as much as I can, since we started with the Americans, it's really easy because I've been picking American music. Great. But there's plenty of... Uh, national music for each of these countries to be able to pick from so uh, yeah a quick vacation story i was out on the back of the boat and um there were like these three guys from russia and they were playing this russian music like this rap music and then after like three or four of these rap songs then this big russian march um anthem song came on and this is like you know after midnight, and people are, had quite a bit of alcohol, and then they all stand up and they start singing at the top of their lungs. It was, it was really. Um, after they finished, and I finished up what I was doing, I left. I didn't want to mess with those guys, but it was. Yeah, they love the motherland. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, it's a great story. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't know that I mess with many Russians either. Just to be honest, they're There's pretty. There's a little crazy. kind of Russian mob feel to them, so it was okay. interesting. Okay. Okay. Anyways, never yeah. mess with, with mother effing Ukrainians. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, that's another that's another podcast in itself. All right, so, so we're gonna the dive. Armies of the Soviet Union. There we go. That's the actual name of the book I was looking for. Um, so let's go through it. Let's let's start with the Army Special Rules. What are what are the Army Special Rules? Well, you have the Great Patriotic War. Quan- Sounds cool. Yeah, it's uh, really great. Um, Whenever a unit of infantry or artillery models fails a morale check and would otherwise be destroyed as a consequence, take the test again and apply the second result. So wait, they just get to always retest? Yeah. If yeah, if their if their failure results in them being removed from the board, they get to roll again. So essentially, if they lose half casualties, take a test. If you fail, come back. You get to re-roll it. Awesome. That's an awesome rule. It is. It is actually an amazing it, rule. It's worked so well for me. <laughs> it, I was going to say in our in our tournament, I believe at least minimum three units were saved by that. Yeah, it it kind of yeah. helps when you need a, an average of seven, and then you roll that eight, just to kind of get that second roll in to hopefully it's, get it's, below. It's kind of like it's kind of like the going out counter of the full strength rule. Yep. Right. Oh, I can see, and I can see kind of how that's flavorful for uh, for Russia to, you know, you got your commissars and stuff we'll talk about in a little bit, but they're a little frightened to run away, quite honestly. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of space for them to run away. That's a good point. <laughs> they couldn't back off for a while, yeah. All right, what's the next one? Uh, the next one is quantity has a quality of its own. So the, in order to um, represent... Reunit. the Yep. In order to represent the sheer oh. amount of numbers of infantry and manpower that Russia had, you get a free 12-man squad with all of the fixings for free. So that includes uh, anti-tank grenades, and if you're in the Stalingrad selector, it counts for Fnatic as well. So in the Stalingrad selector, you get fanatics for free. Uh, well, that unit would take. So the Stalingrad scenario lets you take any u- infantry can take fanatic. Right. For so three it's the points. most kitted out 
unit you're going to ever have. Most kitted out? Uh, you can, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, pretty much any any upgrades to that unit is free. They are still inexperienced. They're inexperienced. They're green, so uh, that that go. kind of counterbalances that a bit. Um, you know, being wounded on threes is takes them off the board pretty quickly. But when you take your first man out, you get to re roll on that green chart, and uh, they either stay bad or get better. Yep. All right. So because it's free, if there's a scenario that counts the point cost of a unit towards securing objectives it do they counts, have a points cost it counts as zero okay all right also um with transports you can buy transports up to the number of units infantry units that you have yes can you buy a transport for this unit my trucks have 12 point or have up to 12 men in them okay it's kind yes. of a yes, backwards way of answering that question is, yes, you can buy a truck for that unit. Sorry. Okay. You have to pay the points for the truck. Yes, right. you the, have the to pay the... The transport unit it says you can have a transport for every infantry unit you have. Okay. And so then you would just count this as one of those infantry units because you can have it. All right, fair enough. Yep. All right. So the next rule is not one step back. And that is the rule that allows you to take commissars. And commissars are great in that they... They're political officers, right? Yep, they are political officers. Um, if your infantry unit fails an order test within six inches of them, uh, they remove a model from that infantry unit, and you get to re-roll that order test. And that's to kind of show how, in the war, they would often shoot anyone who retreated early or was not following orders not to their liking <laughs> yeah yes. pretty much so and, and the political officer right yep. it, it it showed the, the the difference between the the military strength and the political and the actual political uh hierarchy that was within that was woven within the actual army itself is that you know the political officer wasn't outranked by anybody and didn't overrank anybody either they were a whole separate sect by themselves and were given a gun and allowed to shoot anybody who was never questioned. Yes, and also, they are they do count as a higher officer, similar to your captain and majors, but they do they cannot confer, confer their a morale check or morale bonus like like those higher officers do. So that also means no snap to action, too, correct? Yep. No, no snap, snap to, to action, action. No, no leadership ability. But, yeah. okay. but you know, and I, I think the, uh, the important distinction in here is that they have to remove a model and retest. They can't Right, it's not a choice. Yeah, you must remo remove a model. Unless you have one or two men left in that squad, Right. it is an, it is an automatic you must remove a, a, a guy. Right. If there's one or two, that then the commissar doesn't doesn't the commissar doesn't have an effect on that unit. Correct. So the next rule is massed batteries, and this is when you call. So when you call in your artillery strike, uh, normally you roll one d6 and then add six inches for your area of effect. Well, the Russians can roll, or they they will roll two dice. They get to pick. 
they pick the highest result of that dice. I, I believe they have to take the higher result. Yes, they have to. Uh, there's no picking. That's Sorry. important. <laughs> nope, nope, that's very important. Yes, you must take the higher of the two rolls, and that's where you get your your fire for effect radius. So they just, just power down a hell of a lot more than the other batteries do, just because they had so much artillery yes. able to, to, to ping fire. You do still have to... It's one of those special rules that requires you to bring a specific unit in order to utilize it. Yeah, he is a 100-point unit, uh, regular. Well, not in the British Army. They're, they're free, but, you know, go on. <laughs> Quiet. But, yes, <laughs> you you must spend 100 points to get that that rule as well. So it, there's there's other armies out there that kind of, uh, you know, kind of have that, here's your rule, but, for, but, you know, Rick knows very well that you have to pay to kind of utilize that rule. But I think it's... I think it's fantastic. It's 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 really cool. Yeah, uh, mass batteries has has been great for me. The few times that I've used it, uh, it just gives you a really good chance at getting a ten inch radius for your roll. So that's for your artillery observer, correct? Correct. Okay, so you have to have bought an artillery observer. Yeah. Which happens. Okay. All right. That's that's. I just want to clarify that is not. It's not part of the preparatory bombardment thing because somebody gets that. I can't remember who gets that off the top of my head. I do. That's that's. Yeah. That's you. Okay. That's the yep. Brits. That's right. Yep, yeah. That's yeah. the Brits, that's, and they that's they roll. They roll two dice and actually pick which one of the two they want in the preparatory, right. preparatory yep. bombardment. Yeah. Yep. Different. Which is yep, different scenario altogether. Yeah. 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 I'm just I, making sure it wasn't similar. It's it is kind of similar to that, but not the same. For the record, in all the games that I've had where I've had that opportunity, uh, I've never got to use that rule yet. So sad. Sad panda. <laughs> wah, wah. That's That sounds like a personal problem. At least you didn't have to pay for it. It's very it's very personal. I know I didn't have to pay for it. Oh, well, shoot. Here's this free thing I get that I've never been able to use. It's super Yeah, wham, wham. Sad trombone. <laughs> I'm sure we'll dedicate an entire episode to... F- all the free shit everyone else gets except for the Germans. I know there are a lot of German players out there that are feeling the same pain I am. So you got to pay that premium to get your tire fear. And, we yeah, probably, you guys can all... You, you probably, can have your own slow, your slide trombone and yourself. Yeah, I can. I can yeah. I'll have a pity party with all my German players. Yeah, we probably have... Enough recorded material across the episodes <laughs> for an entire episode of you just whining about just me how, complaining. How Come on, it's not whining. Orders. I'm not. I don't get free order dice. <laughs> I don't. I don't get free order dice, and I will never get free order dice. However, I'm okay with that. Having yeah, we can tell you're yeah. super okay with it. Well, okay. I would. I would much rather have a twelve man squad, twelve a free twelve man squad of green troops. Than some of my other opportunities, and that's not to say. Well, I could. That, I mean, that is the other alternative, right? Is I could just flip to another right. army. Congrats. Hence why I'm. Greener. Hence why I'm building an American list. Is I will have another alternative list that has some different options and plays some different rules. And they do get to move and shoot for free. They don't get any free stuff either. But whatever, it doesn't. It's no big deal. Anyway. So, so you get no swag in your army, is what you're saying, right? No free shit. Essentially, yeah. is what I'm saying. No free dice. Not, not that you're that all bitter about it whatsoever. No, I think every German army should get a free Panzer three or four. I think that just should be the way it works. 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> you guys, no, no. You guys are okay with that? I'm I, right, fine. I would be if that's what they got. Okay. I don't think anybody would be okay with that. But I think they've done a fair enough job with, with balancing the rules across the armies that we don't need to go adding extras into there. I, 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 I think they've done it. okay. I think they've been pretty close. So were there any other uh, special rules here, or was that, is that it? That is the last special rule. Okay, so since we're talking about this, how do we feel this army falls in line with the rest in regards to their special rules? I I think they're actually really good special rules. I don't think any one of them is necessarily game-changing like um, Army Wife Fanatic or Tiger Fear, but they are they're there to kind of help your army and keep them on the board when when you factor multiple special rules into just a couple of infantry squads you're you're I'm not sure if I'm putting it correctly but I, th- I think they've done a good job in, in, in having talked with Jeff that the, it very historically represents how the the armies of the Soviet Union were operating at that time and the doctrines that they had and you know once again they've really done a good job capturing that flavor and putting it into game scenarios and game rules. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Um, just having men, lots and lots of men, I mean, it, reading through the through the book itself, you, you know, the Soviet Union had 800,000 women serving. And that's just women alone. Like on the front lines, on in the yes. positions, or um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they had a lot of uh, female snipers, uh, female fighter pilots, um, also lots well, of medics. They actually go medics. through that in the flavor text of the book too. Yeah, they, they I do thought, bring that up. I guess um, from my perspective, I was thinking. I mean, I in, in a little bit I reviewed recently, I, I saw something that said that. Um, you know, the strategy was we have more men than Germany has bullets. And so I was thinking, well, I mean, how does the army book or the special rules really f- reflect that? But you you get the free squad of 12 dudes. So yep. I guess that kind of does that. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's one other thing I want to just, just touch on with the special rules. So the no one step back does require you to still purchase commissar in order to use that special rule. And the Great Patriotic War... That is in reflect to a morale test, not an order test, so it does not have any effect with the commissar, which is only specific to an order test. I just want to touch on oh, that. Oh, interesting. Real quick. Okay. Yes. V- yes. Very. Very good. So they're they're reflective of different rules, which is actually kind of actually almost better. Not, I mean, it'd be better if they both overlapped, but yeah. So one one affects one, and the other affects the other, which is actually kind of nice. Right. And and no no free commissar, so you should be happy with that, Rick. No, how much, is, how much is a commissar? How much is know, commissar? Like, like thirty points or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse. No, he he's fifteen. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm ending this podcast right now because that's. <laughs> thank, God a, thank God he's got to pay. Thank for God that. He's, yeah, he's got to pay for a, a regular model. No, a regular veteran. They're only inexperienced. Oh, the commissar is still inexperienced. Okay, he is only whatever. He's just there to shoot guys in the back of the head anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yep. And, I mean, yeah. you okay. can have, have up to two men. 
but okay, so he's always my, a small team. Whatever. My ex- my experience with him is that they 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 kind of attract artillery strikes, as as I recall. So yeah, they die pretty quick, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. But they've been a bit of a non-factor in the games I've had to play against Jesse earlier. Fair enough. Still, fifteen points for an order dice. I'll take it if I can. <laughs> I I definitely agree with that. Um, they're great. Uh, the only issue with commissars is they pretty much cease to be. They're gone from the army, pretty much after uh, Stalingrad. Well, I mean, in, in most of the circumstances when we're talking about this stuff, we're talking about reinforced uh, platoon. Reinforced platoon. So you get them They're, throughout yeah. the entire any tournament you could bring them to. Yeah, but you know, if you're doing specific, a tournament specific list, you know, doing some type of late war Russian army, and then you right. stick a commissar in there, it's kind of right. They kind of got fed up with getting shot. Well, they were winning at that team. point. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. They weren't running away as much either. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I, I suppose it makes a big difference in how they how they behave. Well, so I think that kind of goes right into our outline is, and flows into, like, our infantry and HQ selections. I think we're going to kind of just touch on some of the big ones. Uh, why don't we – so we've, we're started with the Commissar. He's dirt cheap. He gives you the ability to re-roll morale checks, correct? Morale checks. Correct. Order. Order. Order, order, order checks. Order, order checks. Sorry, order. The other rule gives you the morale checks. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I would take a commissar all the time if I could. That sounds awesome. Jesse, has you, have you ever not put one on the table? Yeah. The, the team tournament, I didn't. And what was your cool. justification for not putting him on there? We were doing late war. Okay. All right. So it's All right. Like, Thematic major Scar- scarring your theme. All right. Yeah. But I mean, he's great. He'd be a great guy to run around with your free squad at a minimum. Like, pay fifteen points for that free squad. Absolutely. Now you got Ab- someone to sit there and keep him in check. Absolutely. And him in combination with like a first lieutenant, which is pretty much my mainstay. You're getting the the big morale boost, or the yeah, the big morale boost from him. And as a backup, you've got your commissar in case you roll a fubar. It's also important to note that when the commissar does remove a model, he's he's shooting at a unit, but he's not adding a pin to it. Just yes. figure I'd figure I'd throw that in there. That only makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, it firing does on a sense, unit actually. does add yeah. a pin, so if he's not, like, you know, whatever. It's a little different. I, I would right. think um, in a single platoon at higher points levels, you'd actually want to keep your officers separate for better uh, command and control. Um, in the smaller games, I definitely see running them together, but you know you've only got so much so much area of effect for your first lieutenant. I'd almost want to split my commissar off to babysit, you know, the other side of the board if you've got objectives on both sides that you need to counter off. So he gives you that's additional flexibility that he gives you. Um, so it kind of spreads out your area of influence, especially if you're running a ton of inexperienced guys. So um, I like the commissar for that actually. Yeah, that's that's also a valid point. Um, generally, it's kind of up to scenario. If I'm running more of a cluster, then I'll run them together, of course. But yeah, right. if I've got more inexperienced units, I might move them together with the commissar and have my regular units with the first lieutenant. Sure. Good flexibility. I like it. Yes. So I think other other than the commissar, the the rest of their HQ is pretty much the same as the rest of the as the rest of us. Did they um, did they get the chaplain and or the 
Battle of the Bulge information officer, or were they not included? The well, Battle of the Bulge was, was only given to the, the the four armies that were actually involved in that. Ah, uh, okay. I, yeah, the Soviets were not involved. I did okay. look into it, though. What did you find? Um, what I found was is that they allowed the Eastern Orthodox Church to bless units, but they did not allow chaplains in their armed military. In the ranks, okay. Yeah. Oh, sad trombone. You aren't going to see chaplains in a Soviet... No chaplains for you, comrade. <laughs> I don't know if I'd take one, <laughs> to be honest. Intelligence officers oh, I think they're pretty will awesome. eventually leak over there, but we'll, we'll see what they come up with other campaign we'll see. books. I mean, they got, they got lots of options for that. Yeah. yeah. For sure. In Soviet Russia, Commissar blesses you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he blesses you with bullets. <laughs> I mean, I, we already talked about the... Artillery Observer would be the other HQ choice that's with having yeah, that's, the, yeah. the the artillery mass batteries. giving ba- yep. mass batteries. That's the other kind of obvious choice. If you, I mean, if if you're in that game of playing with the the Artillery Observer, it's a pretty good choice. Yeah, if you like the Artillery Observer, it's a great rule. Once you get them trained, they're they're fantastic. Yeah, you got to <laughs> get them. You got to get them reined in and zoned in and. Make sure you find that one special dice that's going to do you good every well, time. And, and, and what really made it awesome in version 2 is when they when they changed that, you know, your miss of a 1, instead of the opponent getting to pick where it went to, it, it goes in random directions. I think that's... that's yeah, that says says the person that blew up two tanks in a unit doing a miss. that. Yes, yeah. Well, yeah, that that's not awesome. common, so maybe we don't, like, let's not get too overexcited about that. Well, he has blown a lot, lot of his stuff up. Yeah, I know. That's a fair, fair point. Anyway, Very much less right. since V two. Anyway, yeah. <clears throat> so I think the rest of it we can highlight, kind of highlight the the different infantry units and what kind of makes them unique from other armies, which is the the, the sole possessor of every submachine gun that I've ever seen. <laughs> they well, own them all. They <laughs> grief. They uh, <laughs> they were st- uh, stamped steel, so they were which made them very easy to produce. Um. Pretty much at their peak production, they were producing about 3,000 daily, and that's in 1942. And by that point in time, they had made 1.5 million PPSH-41 submachine guns. That sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, it's not like a rifle, so you don't really have to train your troops as as much, you know. No, it's a, it's a spray and pray sort of thing. You just give your your guy here. You Whether go. You Here's a, a submachine gun, not. and pr- you know, spray right into the guys in front of you. That's all what you got to do. So, I mean, uh, almost every unit, even at the beginning of the war, has at least two that they can put into these units. The the NCO and I think at least one other one. Almost every unit has SMG options, right? Even early war. Uh, in Soviets. Yeah. Specifically? Uh, yes. Well, uh, well, we're talking about the yeah, armies yeah. of the Soviet Union, right? Well, yes. Sorry. Um, yeah, pretty much most of the of the infantry choices themselves can take a full unit of submachine guns. You, you, either, you either can take all of it, or you can kind of... Or none of it, pretty much. Yeah, they've, they've got one labeled <laughs> submachine gun squad, so I, I think that kind of means that they all get submachine guns, right? I th- yeah. I did feel like their their labeling was pretty clever. It's like rifle squad, submachine, submachine squad. gun squad. 
uh, light machine gun squad. <laughs> yeah. Like, like what the function function is getting actually, in this unit? Yeah. I don't get it. Um, but I mean, I think outside of the the rifle squad is the only ones that can't take him because they are fully They're experienced. Sure. Yeah. Um. And of course, like the prisoner squad, the militia. So I mean, there's there's a very few there's a few choices, but most of them can take submachine guns as as needed, really. Yeah. So I, I think that's that's a very unique thing that sets this armory apart is their, the availability of submachine guns to a good majority of their units. Another thing I think that's really interesting that I don't think any other army has is they got the the SN42 body armor available to a couple of different units. Yes. Like their tank riders and assault engineers, which confers the extra protection rule, which means they have a their additional plus one to be wounded. So if they're regular, they get wounded on fives. If they're veterans, they're being wounded on six. Gross. It's good. Um, it doesn't stack with the building or the gun shield special protection because it's yep. the same rule. So gotcha. that's an important distinction Still, to make. That I know it actually hit the FAQ. So, Rick, how many points would you pay for it? For that yeah, I, I don't know if I pay five points of model for it. It's pretty expensive, I understand, but it's still especially if you're talking about full units of twelve guys. I mean, what what oh, yeah. the assault engineers actually hit at? Yeah, well, tank riders can only be eleven man squads by by bolt action. So fifty five uh, points. You're paying a lot of points for it. I'm yeah. not going to lie. And if you're but it's still pretty, it's pretty crazy. Well, okay, so tank riders by default come with SMGs. Yep. So that's a three-point upgrade. There's 16 points at veteran starting. Yeah, it's a little expensive. So I 21 mean, points a model is pretty... That's pretty steep. Yeah. But only wounding on sixes against most things, that's still pretty dang good. Like, that's kind of scary good. But yes. I get how, what you're saying. How expensive You can still pin them out. Erkas, <laughs> I think, are 14 points a model. I'd rather oh, take Kirkus. Yeah, that's not even close. Okay. <laughs> well, Kirkus don't have the five-point body armor rule, so... Thank God. Because, right. yeah, that would be awful. They, they've just got the three-point veteran and tough fighter. Yeah. They don't get to they ride off tanks 15. either. Uh, no, yeah. they have very few tanks running around in jungles near now, the hotel. Now, so I'm going to point this out right away. One of the things that I, I maybe people get all freaked out about is the whole tank rider thing. There are some really easy ways to get rid of tank rider. Yes, there so are. So shoot at them. Shoot at them. <laughs> shoot anything at them, and it'll take care of the problem. Yeah, they'll jump right off. They'll jump right off. So even, even if it can't hurt the tank, right? The, you can still make the off. guys jump off. Yep. So the first turn, take your shots, get them out, pop them off. They aren't going to be near their objective then. They aren't going to be able to ride that tank around with impunity. So but it, that's it, a it actually well, transports to anyway, too. So, right, but it, it, transport it, they don't have to pay for. Right. Yeah. So, but it's there's always the like, you know, we having somebody riding a tank around. You're like, oh shit, how am I going to deal with this? No, it's really easy. Just shoot them as soon as you can, and those guys have to get off the tank. It's that easy. So they might be on the back edge of the board anyway. So don't worry about it. Just shoot them right away. And your assault engineers only come as veteran too, Jesse. I just saw that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but those guys yeah. can have the flamethrowers, right? They can have a flamethrower. They can have an LMG, uh, full-up submachine guns. Uh, yeah, six. thanks to the the fact, the Eretta, they now can take two Panzerfaust. 
a late war selector, right? Also available in the reinforced, of course. Yes. Which, you know, they come with guys with Panzerfaust on them, and yet you weren't able to take them before the errata, which was kind of silly. But well, when you, you when you throw the term assault in front of something, you assume they're going to really bring some kind of firepower onto a target. Yes, I would think. I don't know. That's just me. I'm crazy. Like that. Um, and they can also take. Oosh! It's an expensive unit. Sorry, I'm playing, around, I'm playing around with the whole body armor. I'm like, this is, my, <laughs> this is right up my alley. Flamethrowers with with assault, with a body armor. and 200 point unit, real stuff. quick, isn't it? It's like 270 points. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just think which tank you can put out for that one. Yeah, but that's a lot of that's a lot of firepower right there. It's kind of gross, actually. But are the yeah. um, are the models with body armor? Are they pretty cool? They, are they sweet? They are all mod- modeled with body armor. It is a two inch. Mil- or, sorry, two millimeter full steel plate that goes from your collarbone to your nuts. So it just looks like they took a um, a looks steel like they took a door uh, from something and just strapped it to your chest. Pretty well, mo- yeah, like, like a wood burning stove. Let's just take the door off there and like a, uh, you know strapped it on. Is that yeah, a like back a car to door reference? Add yeah, a little bit maybe. <laughs> wait, wait, wait to pick it up, Rick. I can count on you. It's kind of, it's kind of just down and dirty. Here's a steel plate, strap it to your chest and run out into the middle of the battlefield. You know what <laughs> i I think I think that would freak a lot of people out. Actually, that could be good. Yes. Oh, yeah. As a I mean, psychological it... tool. Yeah. Five points a model. Holy cow! That's tough. it's pricey. I, I think I think that's maybe a little overpriced. If I were well, to think about it. I think that's to a six is incredible. Well, because here, think of this. So going from regular to vet is a three-point upgrade. Uh-huh. So if all you're doing is going from the wounding of a vet to, to wounding from regular to a vet, you got to pay five points. I for think a circumstantial it's, thing. I think it's is, because, is it to simulate the the rarity of it? Yeah, um, there weren't a whole lot of body armor. Being passed, there wasn't a whole lot of body armor being passed around. Um, mostly, it was like scouts and the engineers, because it was mostly to protect the engineers from the shrapnel when they were blowing up. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> that seems fine. But five points, I I, I don't know. I guess I'd it's, rather have them. It as seems expensive, but again, this is like a perfect scenario for like for the tournament coming up, like, you know, where you may not have bought this before, but you might buy it now because you have some extra points sitting around. Um, yeah, I think you're I also paying a little bit because you are kind of getting your breaking that, that point barrier. And, you know, normally you have to be behind a gun shield or you have to be some type of fixed emplacements to get that plus one to your armor. Ten-man unit can get body armor, or you can add another medium mortar. Yeah, I know it's it's expensive, but I w- I would definitely not um, go ever, maximum have, size. Have you ever put it on the table yet? Not. I have brought 
Yes. I could, uh, yes. Okay, I could see as as a as a minimum assault engineer squad with a flamethrower and some rifle guys to protect the flamethrower. I could see that being very viable, because that makes that that uh, particular flamethrower way more protected against sniper fire. Well, until you, we get to the the actual flamethrower for the Soviets, but um, I did. That's exactly pretty much how I ran mine. My assault engineer was the five man, all with SMGs. One guy being the uh, flamethrower, and that's the one that burned the church down with your guys inside, Pat. Uh, that was a team game, but yeah, those those. I felt. I think that was a. Who was on my team for that one? I think it was probably Dave. I think so too. Yeah, yeah. That that destroyed the church. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty, pretty effectively, it was like, hey, look, uh, so let's see what these guys do. Oh, okay. Well, there goes that uh, church. Sure, just I, fine. I you burned down the church. I definitely like the assault engineer squad. Um, they are just—they're just really expensive to try and get on the board. I like to have more dudes. You know, it's just boots on the ground. Yeah, boots. More boots well, helps out. So. But I think one of the questions that Rick had mentioned we had in the Facebook was someone asked, you know, what's our what's your favorite uh, Russian model aside from a dead one that you or for a famous re- favorite Russian unit besides from a dead one you can put on the board? Uh, my favorite unit would be the NKVD. I was going to think either those are the guard squad based on the list I've seen from you. Well, guards are aren't really your special; <laughs> they're just kind of your regular troops. They just called them guards because um, it was a term used in previous wars. As yeah, it seems like it seems like some sort of honor put on, like you know, Joe Squad. It started know? out as that, and then they just kind of started calling all of their unit, uh, all of their <laughs> guys, guard squads. So it's kind of like my parents calling me their favorite son when I have two <laughs> sisters. <laughs> Yeah, right? no, that's yeah. Not the same thing. Yeah, pretty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, guard squad. What's, this, what's the NKVD squad? I mean, if they're just regular guards or just regular bros, what's special about the NKVD? The NKVD are the. They have no vowels. <laughs> they are the um, political officers. They also uh, did guard. They guarded the borders prior to. Barbosa. Um, they they can right. get. Oh, oh, they got fanatics. Yep, they fanatic can take fanatics too. Is that the only thing that makes them special? That's the only. Th- they're the only um, Russian unit that can take fanatic. I believe. Oh, I could okay. be wrong. Um, I believe you are correct. Is that that's the the only one that has the option for someone to be fanatic? Yes. Okay. So, I like them. Do you take them as fanatics? Uh, yes, I have been. Okay. Uh, fanatics three-point upgrade. They can take uh, full squad can take SMGs. So then you can just three-point for take regular eleven man at one ten. You know, thirty points for or thirty-three points for submachine guns, and another thirty-three for fanatic and. They've they've done work for me. They've taken out a few vet squads in combat. 
Yeah, I mean okay. that's another that's another high priced unit, but I could see depending upon what your options are to clear out the veteran infantry. That yeah, that that's going to do it. Yeah, and uh, you know, late war they kind of disappear and get get turned into the now infamous KGB. Hmm. All right, so what else do we have out here for the infantry? Uh, we got a lot of tough fighter. <laughs> That's one yeah, thing Russia a does a lot of. Aside uh, from the SMGs, which grants them tough fighter, there's actual options for just taking tough fighter. Yep. You have your, re- your veterans, veterans, cavalry, both Siberian, the airborne squads, naval squad, Mongolian, naval, Mongolian cavalry. Yeah. yeah. There's the naval squad. Uh, Who does that, Marines? <laughs> They're kind of Soviets might do it better. They might do. <laughs> but didn't they have like two ports, and one of them was like on the Black Sea, which is landlocked? Uh, then you also have the Volga. And I, I don't. Know you have a lot of Jeff. you have a lot of river systems in Russia. Like they they fought. I, I'm pretty sure they fought in Stalingrad. They put dude on skis, too. They did. Yep, they got ski yep. squads. Yep, uh, much like the Finns. They've got very clever naming. Ski squads. Siberian squad. Yep, Siberian. where they fought. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're very clever in their naming. you got to like it. Well, they fought in East Asia. <laughs> yes. Siberian squads, they were part of the Shocking. Pacific uh, campaign, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> and then they actually... Uh, a, a few of them were shipped to Moscow and fought in, uh, against the Russians, which is kind of where they get their infamous uh, name, I guess. Um, the, the the real reason why they were different than the r- typical Russians that the Germans ran into is that these guys were fully trained. They Some of them had summer uniforms and were fighting in winter and you know winter here some is of the uniform some of the uniforms are here and some of the uniforms were not <laughs> yeah yeah um but they were used to fighting in the cold they were fully equipped fully trained and were pretty much got the reputation of being hard-nosed uh, fighters so so are they always tough fighters then or do you have to pay extra for the option yes you have to pay f- you have to pay for a tough fighter Oh, it sounds like they should just be tough fighter. I'm assuming you pay for it, but I'm surprised you wouldn't. You would automatically have them as tough fighter. Well, you got oh. two ways of getting there. Yeah. You can, I think, yeah. you can upgrade some to SMG, and then, and then the sneaky thing is then to get the tough fighters another point per model, which you have to do the whole unit as tough fighters or not. So, yeah, yeah, I don't. It's, I, I would rather take like. When I will eventually put my Siberian infantry onto the board, they will have rifles and tough fighter. So that way right. you get the you get the range of the rifles, plus you get the benefit of having tough fighter in close combat. Yep. Yeah, you're not, you're not makes sense. having to you're not having to double dip on the cost of a submachine gun. Yep. That's just that's just a smart build. Well. Jesse's our fluffy bunny, so... I, <laughs> I have never seen bunny. a fluffy bunny list out of Jesse. <laughs> yeah. 
this, this guy does the patented Russian, I've got two SMG squads and two transports, I'm going to run down your face as soon as you think you're winning. I only this have is coming one. from his team's partner, just saying. Yeah, I know. I, I saw it happen, I'm like, dude, we're totally screwed right here. He's like, hang on, just a second. What were you saying? No, no, we're fine, we're good. <laughs> Hold on, let me grab my beer. You totally yeah, commissared exactly. you. Um, yeah, I mean, those. I will definitely be toning down those. I mean, when I played against Dales for his first uh, game, I I took a very large, inexperienced squad. Or for free, of course. Well, I mean, I took I think another two squads of inexperienced infantry against him. Yeah, is that because you were forced to? I'm just curious. Did you did they died in the previous game in that scenario in that campaign? No, no, that was just right. I did. Yeah, we were, I was just starting. So I was just starting. My oh, first okay. two games were against Jesse. So. Oh, you wanted to make you wanted to make sure Dale was gonna. He be gave hooked. me a, a yeah. And you nice kept playing. Friendly. Very nice. Yeah, baited you in a little bit. <laughs> he uh, did. Okay, little bull baiting going. A little on. bit. Okay. All right. No, I, you know you exposed your belly and let him let him win. <laughs> so keep playing. Well, <laughs> what was that tank that you brought in the second game? Um, was that... It had the heavy howitzer on it? Oh, the KV-2? Yeah, he did bring dirty. KV-2 the second time, so... Well, All right. that's, a, that's a dirty one. So, I, I guess to, to summarize, I mean, there's a lot of versatility in their infantry, and as, as, as we pointed out, that they're cleverly named as to what they might be specializing in. But <laughs> it, it, compared to... So... Again, it's a, it's a major power, so they have a lot more different infantry selections available to them that really kind of let you go over and, and build to what you want to actually have in those units. Uh, unlike a lot of the minor powers, you know, both Axis and Allies minor powers, which are like, you get infantry unit A, and they can be inexperienced or regular or veteran, and some of them might not be veteran. So it's, again, they, they're a major power, so they have a lot of versatility that you can go through a lot of these squads. I think some of the unique ones that they have that others don't have, uh, they got Maltov launcher. Well, let's 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 take a break here from a for a standpoint of going through all the lists. Maybe this is a good time to ask the question of what's our favorite units before we before Pat names all of them. Because I've I've got two that I wanted to that I think are my favorites. Fire away, man! All right, so I got the Mongolian cavalry troop. I think they're sweet. Yes. They're, they, they're the, I think they're the only cavalry in the game that can actually shoot well on horseback, which I think is awesome. And uh, then, Japanese have a cavalry that can shoot on horseback. Do they? Okay. All right. Yep. So then maybe so, but they're Mongolian. The Mongolians. I think they can fought shoot. the Mongolians. So okay, yeah, they're they're all recce too. So yeah, but just the idea that you that you can have a unit that's actually shooting on 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 horseback is pretty awesome, and then my. My other favorite is the scout squad, just because of how they set up. So, because they get to set up like a, a sniper or an, obser- a, a, or an observer, which I think is pretty rad. That is one thing that you can do a lot of with Russia, is have a lot of fo- forward deployment in uh, infantry. Oh, tell me of the ways. I don't know of any other units that can do that. I've only seen the one. The what else ta- can do it? Tank hunters, the anti-tank team. Okay. They have forward deployment, and you can take up to three squads of those guys. And 
And those are like uh, anti-tank units, though, right? Yes. But they can have submachine guns, Panzerfaust. Um, they have tough tank hunter. So that's, they get, they get that's taking away from my least my least favorite squad, which would be the the tank dogs. <laughs> it it would be, but you're Russia, so you could do two and one. Yeah, that, that's kind of a PETA thing too. Yeah, it's, <laughs> really, I'm like I'm like I I I, I could deal with this whole World War Two thing, everyone dying, you know, people shooting each other. Right, concentration and then like, camps, whatever, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but dogs, oh, that's really, fine. come on. Puppies, dogs, they're fine. Do, yeah. Dogs Why dying, do that? that's just too rough for me, apparently. Well, they, they do it. They definitely are more effective in the game than they were in real life. <laughs> so, so I've been told as far as history goes. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. it turns out that they, they uh, had too much loyalty and the dogs would just run back like, I miss you. <laughs> oh, okay, great, thanks. Uh, that worked a lot. Or, or they would, yeah. So the story goes that uh, they also didn't train under combat conditions at first. So the first time they heard explosions, they'd all run back to where their trainers were and they'd all hide under tanks of their own. And I, I've seen my too. dog in a thunderstorm and she would yeah. definitely blow me up, that's for sure. Yeah, that's <laughs> There's no doubt about There's that. No way. So I I think it's it's a huge... It's, it's, it's sad to me, but that's a different story. I mean, it's war brings out a lot of different uh, stuff when people have to do that, so... Yeah, and and we're we're not trying to, of course, make light of bad situations that happen in the war. We're trying to just uh, you know focus on a game that what came out of that. Bring right. it all back, Pat. That's correct. Yes, I would never make light of the fact that World War II happened because that was a, right. There, that was there, a pretty atrocious thing in general. I think it was we can a very atrocious thing. It brought out the worst in all kinds of humanity everywhere. But what we're you know what we're trying to do is you know enjoy a game that we put on the tabletop that we spend our hobby time into and. You still, you know, the more time you spend on this and understanding the history is the best thing you can do about learning history is to not have those events occur again. And I, I think that's, you know, to, to negate, to not to just ignore the history behind it, I think you're losing out and, you know, what people did in that war to make that sacrifice to do everything so we can have this game and play it in a light levity manner, I think would be would be wrong. Well, okay, so. enough enough history. Um, <laughs> uh, so Jesse, right. what's uh, what's your favorite unit then? All right, we already went. I, I said oh. the NKVD. Oh, that's NKVD right. Says. You like the, M- but because of the options for fanatics. Yes, okay. I, I also um, my Soviet army is based on the 10th NKVD division, which. Mm-hmm was in Stalingrad. They coddle a lot of Brandenburgers. They have a street named after them. They just fought really hard during the war. Okay, fair enough. What about you, Pat? Where are you at on this? Uh, aside from uh, the favorite unit is one that has been removed from my opponent's side of the table. Uh, I really <laughs> Yes. Uh, I also like the NKVD. The, the option for Fanatics is fantastic, and I love, I love the Scout Squad. I mean, granted, they're, they're only capped at seven men, but I like... So behind enemy lines is one of my favorite rules and one of the main reasons why I like to run um, in my army commandos because they, they can do outflanking without suffering that minus one, and they're veterans. They're coming in, you know, it could stand, you know, at a good ten. They're going to come in and turn three where you want them to come in. They're reliable that way. Uh, the scout squad's got a lot of good options behind them. I mean, granted, they, they cap at seven men, but, you know, they got submachine guns, and they got that, you know, you can also do the same observer sniper setup for them. So there's a lot of versatility in that squad. 
might be a little overcosting for it, but I, I think that's a really great one to put on the board. I haven't seen a lot of those put out there. All right, they I like a little pricey. I like these assault engineers with body armor. I think there's a trick there that um, that could be that could ruin some hobby. So you keep I, them I small, and, and I think you can do it. Like I said, if you keep them small, you can protect that flamethrower mm-hmm. pretty well. Uh, I think you make them big as you can. Ah, interesting. Yeah, I got two different home. ways. <laughs> I don't know. I I agree with you, Dale. There's something to that to to only wounding on sixes. Yeah, it's that's um, that's pretty. That's one of those, and they shall not be moved units. That's yeah. yeah, There's something now, and that can be. As it's been told before, though, Dale, is that you can get pinned out. Jeff and I pinned out a unit in one turn. Essentially, we pinned out an entire vet squad in one turn. We didn't have to do any wounds. We just had to hit. That's right, all we were doing. right, and you know, a heavy howitzer is going to take them all out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, all of that stuff definitely, it definitely can happen. But sitting on an objective isn't going to be safe if there's still mortars out there, because once those things range in, right. But it's not the, the trick isn't that you sit on the objective the whole game. It's that you're in position by turn four, and then you move to the objective in turn five and six. And right, so, they're not dead yet. That's the key: is that they're still sitting right. on the table waiting there. One thing on. Are you are you planning stages of the game? Wait, I didn't think we did that. <laughs> One thing, some you, of us might pat. <laughs> and and if you're allowing that unit to be to be pinned off, um, then you need to be taking advantage of that turn and advancing everything else, or you're not presenting enough other alternate target. I mean, anyways, there's a lot of stuff to be done. But I like that unit. The disadvantage yeah. to body armor is that it doesn't work on penetration shots, shots with pen. It only works Excellent on... Excellent point. Yep, small, small arms, arms and HE. Oh, it does work so, on HE, though. Interesting. Yes. So your anti-tank rifle... Shrapnel. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Your anti-tank rifle mm-hmm. doesn't even care. Which hardly anybody brings. Yeah. Why would you... Yeah. Well, why would you shoot that at an infantry unit anyway? That's because it's a KV-2 on the table with an armor of ridiculous... <laughs> your, Ten. Your thing's not going <laughs> to... Ten. <laughs> KV-1 is 10 <laughs> all around. <laughs> all right, anyway, so that was my unit, so let's keep going. This is going to be another three-hour episode. Yeah, we're trying, to, we're trying to move it along. All right, so now we can go into those unique units because I think we've all covered our favorite units. Uh, that answered uh, the Fighting Kentuckians Facebook question. Wanted to make sure we got that covered before we went any further with any of the unique stuff just because there are, might be overlap otherwise. We never overlap anything in this show. No, kidding? we don't go off tangents. And no, we we never double topic. back. So I anyway. skip entire segments. We actually skipped another one tonight. We'll go back and talk about it in a minute. You want to do that now? No, no, no. Keep going. We'll keep Are going sure? through this. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah, so the uniqueness that are kind of that don't exist in other armies that the Russians have is the Maltov launcher, which is the Oplomet. Yes, is that just launching. Bottles of vodka, flaming <laughs> bottles. Flaming of vodka, bottles. Thank yeah, you. Right, fair enough. Yeah. Because they didn't have tequila, they had to, and vodka is very flammable. Anything eighty proof or higher is. Uh, yeah. So it, it, and this, I think this is one of those. Uh, you can take three as one selection. It's got the extra selection thing, much like the U.S. medium machine gun team has. Yeah, all anti-tank options. So the anti-tank rifle, the Oplomet. Uh, t- and the tank, hun- the tank hunters, and the dog mines. 
can all be taken as three sets. Set or three set, count as one. Okay. Well, and, and what's your what's your? T- I haven't seen you put a Maltov launcher on the table, Jesse. What, what's 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 holding you back from that? What isn't what isn't the selling point? Uh it's it's only twenty four inches. It's a fixed weapon, and it's an HE. Yeah. It's a it's a is it one inch? Uh, it's gotta be a, it's gotta be one inch or one inch is D6 against building. It's two, two inch. inches. Two inch, okay. Um, it's just and it's it's forty points. Sounds pretty cheap to me, Francie Tank. It sounds like a pretty nice little mortar. Is Let's it one see. of those things that only hits on sixes no matter what? No, no, no. It ranges in. It ranges. Uh, well, it does. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not shot like a. It doesn't have. It's just a, it's a, indirect yeah. fire. Okay. Yeah. So over over or yeah over open sights. So you have to be able to see what you're targeting. But so the tough thing is you could be hitting inches. on a four. And fixed. Which means you will. Not it means you can pivot as an advance. It can so, if you yeah. want. You can't is, move it. Is there penetration right. here, or is it just flammable? Flaming. Plus two pen, D3 pins. No, on a six, if it hits a vehicle, it automatically gets the on-fire result. On top of what I just said. Yeah, correct. If it hits on a six? So if the to hit roll is a six, regardless of what the damage roll is, it suffers on fire. To a vehicle. To a vehicle. So it can technically shoot at things even though it could have higher armor than anything you could pen. So, you, I mean, you could hit a 10-plus armor tank and set it on fire. Yes. Right. Even though you could barely wound it. I'm sorry, Jesse, why are you not bringing these? Uh, I know they're 24 inches. Is there a minimum range? No minimum no. range? No, no, no. It's a, it's it's not it's not indirect. So there's no minimum. It's a two inch template. Yep. For forty D3 points. Pins. Three men. For forty points. For forty points. With really? two, two with plus two pins. Two inch template. Yeah. Ah, two inch pe- two inch template. Yeah. That's that's a fantastic anti infantry. Yeah. And yeah. with the possibility of setting a tank on fire. Fire. Yeah. Yeah. That feels pretty good to me. This might be my new favorite unit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm with Dale. This is actually a pretty good unit. Now, is that 40 for inexperienced or 40 for regular? Regular. 40 for regular. 28 and you can take for three for one slot. Wow. Oh, is, now, that your, um, is that your AT spot, though? That is. That is. One of your three. Oh, uh, okay. But you well, have no. three slots. You have three well, you slots. Have three. Oh, okay. And you can mix and match them if you want. Which is a little better than the American version. It looks like a two-inch template to me, guys. That's what, what it we is. Said. That's good. Okay. That's not too bad. Hey, Pat, it's a two-inch cool. template. Two-inch template, buddy. Is it a cool model? I heard three. I'm going to have to go out oh. to the Warlords website and look at this. Hang on. The thing is, is you can go to your tank hunters. There isn't a model, deal. And you can get a three-man tank hunter squad for 28 points. Throw in five for a Panzerfaust. So that puts you at 33. And you give those three guys submachine guns for 42 points and you have a four deploying Panzerfaust with submachine guns that can also do work. Yeah, but these aren't going to do work like uh, a two-inch template on a big, fat, juicy unit with plus two pen. It can't move, so once it's in place, it can't... You're, you're, well, not, you're, yeah. not, you're not doing... So you, you're either... 
you're locking down a side of the board. Yeah. For forty points, I well, no, I kind of like still it. move. Can it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can just they they have to it's, issue it's a, a run it's order. A, it's a team weapon. Yeah, they can pick up and move. Okay. It's not an artillery piece. It's a right. team weapon. Yeah. So yeah, fixed, like, allow, fixed allows you to rotate on the spot and take a, a take a minus one to hit and still fire. Yeah, it's like and, a medium mortar, a medium or an MMG. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Exactly what it is. Ten points is cheaper than a medium mortar, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I know there's some like big drawbacks. Can't remember what though. The biggest drawback to that to, to that launcher is that it's minus one, or that it's twenty four inch range. So you're it, it's short range, and you cannot fire indirectly, which is kind of a can be which seen means, as a hindrance. Yeah, you have to have a clear line of sight, right. so you can't fire from behind your troop lines. No, which is true. You cannot fire over another unit, so that's another thing to keep into consideration. Is there's no way to shoot over any another unit, which, whatever, not a big deal when you're spending that little amount of points. Because I, I agree with Dale, like it has multiple uses and could be used in multiple ways every game, especially if you have more than one of them. I don't know. We could be totally off, off, like, in our own little world, but I think that they're a good buy. I, I'm sure Sean will let us know. <laughs> Sean or uh, is it Brad from Ghost Army? Brad, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll let us know when hey, we're Hey, guys, why are we off on base in this one? Why aren't we seeing more of them out there? there there's yeah. got to be something that we're, we're missing because from a, from a yeah, mechanic standpoint, they look really good. It's um, They look like... Um, Based off the images that Google's showing me, it looks like almost like a bazooka of some kind. Uh, I'm not sure. It should be a small, like, tractor. Oh, maybe these are updated. I'm sorry. I, I'm picturing, like, a, a two guys holding a slingshot and, you know, like, one guy here, hold my beer. There is a slingshot here. There is a slingshot here. The, um, like the water balloon yeah. launcher? Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the big supersized bra launcher for the water balloons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're you're right, Dale. It looks like a There's basically a, a cannon. Joke in there. <laughs> okay, so the Soviets they do make one. So Warlord does make one. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right, that's good. Alright. Alright, All right, so what other what other sweet unit do they have that we're gonna overvalue? <laughs> well, we we touched on the the, the tank hunter units. Yep. yep. Okay. We haven't even touched the big one yet. I mean, we're 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 hitting a lot of time here. We gotta we gotta so, keep moving, fellas. One one thing about Which the tank hun- about the Go tank ahead, hunters Jesse. is they have a special rule called tough tank hunters. Which which says tough tank hunters have the usual rules for tank hunters. In addition, double their attacks in close combat against vehicles. Oh, that's so, nice. So they're Gurkhas against vehicles. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, they're not. They're, they're, uh, they're old school assaults. tough fighters. Yeah. Old school tough fighters against yes. vehicles. That's pretty cool. cool. So they keep the old school tough fighter against vehicles, which is really nice. All right. I like it. So what's next? All right. So so do we, have, we, what's, we touched on the dog teams. And yeah. We, we're all like. No more. We don't need sad. Let's just go yeah. away from that. I think the fl- flamethrower is actually a really good one to go next. Okay. So not only can you take a flamethrower with your assault engineers, but you can take a, a standard flamethrower team. Um, two-man squad. Two-man squad. Uh, you can buy what they call the ROKS-2 for five points. What that does is that allows... it. It's a system that the Soviets developed to prevent their flamethrower... 
to from bidding, getting ganked by German snipers. So it's a it's a r modified rifle that looks like a that acts as a flamethrower with a small hose that goes into like a backpack. So for five points, you now make it so that you're impervious to exceptional damage. Oh, interesting. Okay, that is interesting. So I you gotta like kill that. the you gotta kill the the buddy first. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's that's nice. Kind of camouflaged the the flamethrower so it protected it a little bit for five points. Yeah, yeah I like that. I I take that because I think yeah, otherwise you'd see snipers picking them off all day, and they're those are prevalent enough that. Yeah. Okay. All right. I I kind of like that. That's a cheap upgrade for for what that is. I think. Yeah. How often do you have five points sitting around that you really can't do anything with? Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. There's lots of five point upgrades you can take in this army. You can uh, yes. five, five point upgrade yourself to twelve fifty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean. uh, so what I was just about to say, and now we are getting into these unique units. We haven't even touched on the tanks yet. There are so many tanks. I. I, I think you almost have to dedicate an episode to just Soviet tanks. <laughs> Seriously. Right. I don't think we can go through all of them. So, Jesse, what's your favorite tank? Um, my favorite tank is the T-34. Which is like every Russian player's it's, favorite. It tank. was mass-produced in massive quantities. They were they were uh, basically... That is my favorite tank to blow up, too, by the way. <laughs> um, it's 195 points for regular. Uh, five up penetration, medium anti-tank gun, uh, forward or hull-mounted um, MMG. You can upgrade for 40 points to a flamethrower. Uh, it's just a really, really good uh, medium tank. It's cheap. It, it does work. <laughs> okay. What about you, Rick? Well, I don't have a favorite question. <laughs> Like Pat's alluded to before, whatever tank. The is smoldering down. ruins yeah. Yeah. of a Russian tank got is fantastic. Destroyed marker on top of it. I'm cool with. No, I mean, I, I don't know all of them because there's you've got so many damn tanks. There's it's dozens. Yeah. I mean, almost as bad as like going through the the Americans tanks. There's just that many of them. Yeah. I like the IS2. Uh, Jesse alluded to that earlier with its with its uh, infantry moving. Gun. I think that's the one. Is that the is one that, that the has KV2? five? The KV two has the heavy no. howitzer. The you're, IS. You're thinking of the T thirty five is the one with like the five turrets. Yes. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> that one's ridiculous. That, that one that, like, that actually weapons. more casualties than that because of broken down parts than actually being destroyed by enemy fire during yeah. the course of the war. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody said that it was actually effective in the actual war. It was. It was a. It was a. It was a hangover from World War One, which was designed to go over the trench warfare very well. The same as uh, I think it was the Churchill, the British ones, is a very long tank, and they put turret after turret after turret. And they're like, hey. There's like two feet extra space here. We could put a turret on this side, and it was just ridiculous. I mean, it's just awesome from a like it's a it's like a land battleship. It's ridiculous. Yes, it's huge. I, I think like, that was his nickname, actually. It wouldn't surprise me because that thing yeah. is a monster. It, it's just kind of humorous in a sense, like you said. Like there were just turrets everywhere, and they we like, we don't need we don't need the extra wheels. We can just we'll put another turret on instead. Right. Kind of so, type so in a pinch, if like one of the wheels came off, they could just pop the turret down, put it in the wheel spot. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That guy just has to be out exposed from then on. He's just shooting his gun from the hole. 
there, there's some unit that has a rule like that. That I forget which unit it is, but uh, and I'm sure anyone will remind me of this, or I'll remember it tomorrow morning or something like that. But that, that actually, like, uh, I think it's like an upgrade to one of the British light tanks that some some little John modifier they have that gives it an extra pen value. But if you ever roll like a one trying to hit, the unit has to spend the next round outside of the tank fixing it to get back in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I haven't seen. I haven't run across that one, but I, I don't I, necessarily. I, I believe it's the British. The British paratroopers Tetriac, I think, is the tank. I'm, I'm probably woefully mispronouncing that to say the least. But yeah, it's, it's like just a tiny little tank. It's like a seven plus to the little John upgrade to it. And then if it ever jams, or like I said, they roll a one, that the, the whole unit, the tank, has to spend the next turn outside the tank fixing it. So obviously they don't have any cover. They can take pins and stuff like that. So. That'd be an interesting modifier to do that one. Yeah, it sounds it sounds intriguing. And there's your random fact for the day. All right. And who knows if it's actually accurate? I'm we, we'll sure never know. It is. <laughs> Someone will tell us. Someone will tell us. I'm sure. Dale, did you have a favorite tank that you've seen out of the Russian army? Um. Yeah, I mean it's it's no surprise. I'm working on a tank. Uh, battlefield is my first table and so I, I purchased eight Soviet tanks to wreck and um, I like your stuff I've got I've got um, uh, two of the tank platoons that Warlord puts out and then I picked up an IS-2 heavy tank and I really like this IS-2 it's it's pretty sweet it's just got this big huge gun out the front it has a, an option for an a pencil mounted HMG, which I thought was was pretty sweet. So, yeah, I really like this IS two. I don't know how many points it is or anything like that, but it, it's three twenty for regular. Really? And that seems really good. One thing is is that it has uh, what's called the the big HE shot. So while it fires like a medium, or uh, sorry, a heavy anti tank gun with a plus six penetration. It doesn't get the two-inch template. It has a three-inch template. That just has a slow load rule, though. Yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, that's an interesting rule, actually. I like. I actually think more tanks should oh, have that. Oh, that's role, interesting. Okay. Where you can't. That, that you just can't means it can't be it. the first dice. Yeah. Right. Which yep. I think is kind of cool. But that does from, mean uh, that you can snap to action. True. You won't, you won't intelligence officer that one. No, you <laughs> no. won't. No, you won't. That's the thing about it is you won't intelligence officer that to be your first dice. That's. Yep, that has to be a minimum dice number two out of the bag. Yeah. Well, not out of the bag, but dice number two ordered. Like right, Jesse, you think it was alluding to, you can use your snap two action to, to have it fire. Right. You would definitely have to use your snap to action if you want it to be shot before somebody blows it up. But that means your your lieutenant sitting right next to your tank. But yeah. Not always a bad but thing yeah, I like this. I like this IS-2. It's a cool idea. And it does have a huge gun on it, doesn't it? It's a huge barreled gun. It does. It's it's way out front. So it's yeah, Russians had closer. a big thing with putting large guns on on, on yeah, the tracks. Like the barrel is like <laughs> as big as the actual tank itself. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I've, I've I've had Jesse put one of those things on the table. Aside from him, like, holy crap! Everything I have is going to get blown to crap with that. It thing. Kind of feels like it's compensating for something. Well, it, it is very <laughs> cold saying. in Siberia. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. When you're well, fighting right. against. Germany, and you're basically Germany and Russia had a giant arms race in yeah, in, in the tank divisions. You know, Germany came through with a lot of, of the Panzer one and two and threes. Then they well, met, in all fairness, Germany based their design off of a lot of Russian tanks, but they just made them look different. Exactly. 
that's where you get. Made them look sweeter. That's, that's where you get the Panzer IVs from. Is the reaction to the T thirty four, and then the T thirty four gets the eighty five inch gun to help it penetrate through the pan the Panthers and the Tigers that they were starting to see. So it, it's it's pretty interesting, kind of looking at the historical part and seeing how. Um, Germany and Russia just kind of had this giant arms race back and forth, and so you're telling me that there's some sort of escalation in power throughout the war? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That that I would have never guessed. No, I, I, that seems that doesn't really happen. You, you always do the same thing and hope for the different result, isn't? No, oh, wait, that's that's what Denny Good Denny Good. Right, we just depend on our that. our but strategic overpowering, not on any kind of arms race. As, as far as like. America, like, we didn't have as much of an arms race throughout the war. You know? We just had a mass production that we just overproduced yeah. to what other people couldn't match up to. Yeah, so... Mostly because no one was bombing our factories at the time. Well, they they picked up all of their factories and moved them to the Ural Mountains out of the way of the Luftwaffe. So that's that's where a lot of uh, reasons why Russia was able to keep themselves in the war is that they their factories were safe from from being bombed and just massive produ- massive mass producing T34s and until Germany could handle it. That was that it. was their most common tank, wasn't it? The T34 85? Yeah, uh, no, the the standard T34. Okay. Uh, well, the, what's the eighty-five difference? So the standard has the seventy-six inch or millimeter barrel, and okay. then the the upgrade, which was later war, I believe it was either forty-three or forty-four, and they put an eighty-five inch. Uh, I keep saying inch millimeter. Uh, gun on yeah, the yeah metric the, system's kind of a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> Haven't done it for a while. Yeah. Um, and that was just to keep because they the T thirty four was a very fast maneuverable tank, so they just kind of wanted to give it a, a bigger barrel to keep up with the Panthers and the Panzer fours. Um, I believe fifty two thousand T thirty four seventy six inch or millimeter barrels or <laughs> tanks were produced throughout the yeah, war. It- I, mean, I think Finland thanked Russia for that quite a bit too, as they as they end up using most of them themselves. Yeah, they 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 stole a few. They they captured quite a few, and you know that's something that we'll definitely touch on later when we worry about the, the you know the minor axis powers and stuff like that. But basically, Russia has got a crap ton of tanks, almost as much as Germany and America, and it's just ridiculous to try and cover them all in even an hour. Thereabouts. Right yeah. All right. Yeah, a lot Was of there the anything other. else in the book we wanted to cover, or do we want to jump into any additional questions we've got? Um, probably one one unique thing that we probably looked over is the flag. Yes, the banner that does make uh, it, that is a different little thing too. Um, and so for twenty five points, one man can replace all of his weapons with a flag, and gaining the rally to the colors special rule. And what that allows is that. All friendly infantry and artillery units within 12 inches of the flag bearer can re-roll fail order tests when order to rally. Only for rally checks. Yep. And if rally order 
is successfully issued, the, ro the unit rolls two dice to determine how many pin markers are discarded and chooses the highest result. I believe the Japanese have a similar role too, don't they? Correct. Don't? Yeah, we got the same role. Yeah. It seems less good now um, with the new rally rule. I, I mean... The, the V1, V2 thing? where the Yeah, it's kind of a little V1, ignores V1. Ignores the pins. Right. If it was a little cheaper, 25 points seems a little expensive for what it is. In V2, yes, it probably does. Yeah. But just without the negative modifiers of rally, I think it's totally... It might, it's overpriced. doesn't mean it's not good, but it feels a little like it. There isn't going to be many times you're not going to clear all your pins now with a rally so, order. Uh, there's been many times a rally order I've had four pins on me and I've only cleared two and been like... Well, okay, if you're not Pat, then you clear all your your, your rallies. Yeah, all your pins you, off in a rally. Or if you are Pat and all you remember is the times when it didn't work out. Yeah, there's a little negative twice. bias with Pat, no doubt. <laughs> Confirmational bias. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. No, I'm always completely concrete in all my information. <laughs> Otherwise, He's taking notes all the time. <laughs> we can go over the Kashucha. Kashucha. Multiple rocket launcher. Kashutite. <laughs> I believe that's how it's enunciated, but I definitely could be wrong. Um, and that's... Foreign languages would be a lot better if they were just in English. Yeah, yeah, if everyone just spoke English, that'd be great. No, yeah, I took German, not good. Russian. So, uh, the Katyusha, multiple so rockets. So it's a multiple launcher. Yep, on the back of on a, a truck, soft skin truck. Multiple yep. launcher, which only ever hits on sixes, yep. but it hits all what with it, every unit within six inches of the target. So that, which is badass, but yeah. And then of course you have the the quad maximum. Where it's just a regular old pickup truck with four four mounted MMGs on it. <laughs> Sounds awful. How many points? Sixty for regular. Ooh, does, wow. that negate, does that negate its uh, transport or tow capability? It yeah. doesn't. It doesn't. You're kidding. It does me. not. Wait, what? It's, really? It's where are they putting the ammo? How many on the floor? Carry? No, it, on the floor. It's a it's a pickup truck with four linked. MMGs on the back of it. Wait, what okay, is so this Link, thing called? So Link is single target, which means it, it can't split its fire. Right. Who cares? You melt whatever you hit. It's not 20 shots, though, isn't it? It's like a plus yeah. for each Link. Oh, it no, is. it's no. 20. It's 20 shots. No, it's just 20 freaking shots. Oof. Oh, the single target. It? Where is this damn thing? It's under... Yeah, it's I can't even find it. Anti-aircraft vehicles. It's called a... The, oh, it's under the Torque Rev... Okay. 4M quad maximum on gas AAA truck. On crack what? Gas. <laughs> four turret mounted MMGs. And that's oh, in four your turret slot? mounted. Uh, no. Okay, so, 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 okay. All right. So it's a, it's basically an anti aircraft weapon that can be used can be used to be fired against ground. So it's turret mounted. Uh, it's oh, got, okay. So it's it's it is 20 shots for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. At uh, how many points? Sixty. Sixty. What the crap? It doesn't move. It, it doesn't it have. Move. It can't move. It cannot move, which means it can never be part of a uh, an army list that requires a first wave. It so has you... to be part of a deployment. Oh, well, that's that's poopy. Okay. That's why sixty points. Right. So it's a very, a very um, 
situational oriented sort of thing. I'm still seriously not finding this thing. Um, It's under tanks and SP guns. Anti-aircraft vehicles. Anti-aircraft vehicles. That's for the rule book, but on Easy Army, it's counted under tanks and special. Jesse knows where I'm looking. (laughs) Sorry. Didn't mean to be going by the book, so to speak. No, it's okay. Four turret-mounted MMGs. Wait, wait, so what's this one with the four turret-mounted HMGs? MMGs. MMGs. No, no, I'm looking at the M17 anti-aircraft vehicle. That's got four HMGs. And it's an Armor 7. Open top, Yes, it is. Okay, so that's the M17. That's that's 125. That's a little bit more expensive. Just saying, but still pretty damn good. Pro tip here, uh, Jesse. Oh, you're not going to the campaign day coming up. That would be bananas if they if you brought that. That would be awesome. <laughs> so no one would like you. So four MMGs. No one likes Jesse anyway. So <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> so basically, you're looking at what five dice to get three fives to run them off against an airstrike with the flak rule. With either one of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. no, the HMG is only three. Oh, the HMGs, yeah, it's pure so twelve. Yep. And yep. the MMG is is five. Yeah. That seems like a weird jump, but yeah. And it doesn't uh, move. Yeah. Neither one of them move. So if you get stuck in first wave, oh, the other one doesn't move either. Okay. Right. You, you if it's if you have it if you're not deploying it, meaning you can deploy as part of the setup, and you're required to be in first wave. That's not going on the table. Are we talking about the same thing? This is a truck. Yeah. I I'm looking at a truck. It's an armored car, dude. Oh. It it's does a, move. It's a soft skin. You're, and then okay. the M17 is the armored car. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, it does move. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. It's a truck. It still moves like a truck. It's like a wheeled vehicle. That's crazy as crap. That's a lot of, lots of, a lot of MMGs. Yep. For sixty points. I was, yeah. I was excited about having a jeep with like two of them. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Never mind that. Yeah, now you now you know what to. Yeah, that's uh, that's a now lot I know of what to be shots. jealous of. Yeah, that <laughs> that definitely moves. It's a wheeled vehicle. Yeah. Only a six up armor safe though, so soft skinned. Well, I just saw it in the heading of uh, anti-aircraft. Oh, anti-aircraft vehicles. There we go. Let's read the rest of the words in that subheading, huh? Yeah, yeah. Vehicles do get to move, unless they've taken the wheels off for some reason. But it seems like they would drive around. Well, you take the wheels off, it's just a mobile home, and therefore it's a tornado target. So <laughs> Dif- Different, yeah. Whole different different thing. altogether, yeah. All right. So I, do we feel like there's any other tanks you want to cover? I feel like we've, we've hit on all the cool stuff. You got so many choices, guys. It's it's impossible well, to cover all of them, and we're going to make that, someone else's choice be and, invalidated. So. And just to open it up, you got the land lease, which then opens up a whole lot of yeah. ally tanks behind yep. it. So you get the Lee and the Wolverine and the Stewarts, Shermans. Let's well, not yeah. touch the Stewarts. That's still sensitive to a lot of people. <laughs> Fair enough. Based on last FAQ, so I'd, I'd rather take the T twenty eight than a. Than a Stuart, uh, probably. The true Soviet. <laughs> well, yeah. All right. So, like, I, I think we've, I think we've hit, I've, I think we've beat the tank, the tanks to death here. There's a lot of tanks. 
go check them all out. There's so really you just no want me to say you want me to say thanks a lot. Sure, if you want to. You're a dad. You can say it if you want. Mm, right, stop you. All right. So I'm gonna. I so we got some email stuff. Some questions coming in. We covered one earlier. We're gonna cover a new one here. So I have a. I have an email from uh, Ryan Smith. Um, don't know if that's actually his real name or not, or if he's being uh, clever with me. I think it might be his real name. There's a so the information disclosure thing at the bottom that, you know, those things you never read when you get an email. Uh, so he's brand new to bolt action, still building his Soviets. Uh, I wanted to shoot out for his, if he wants to shoot for a historical Stalingrad theater force with an enemy at the gates theme, right on. Like it's a good movie. It's a good place to, that's a good theme. Uh, I've been doing some research to keep things consistent with timeline, but curious as your thoughts of not bringing a tank in order to bring some more men. I plan on having some anti-tank weaponry, so I'm not caught with my pants down, but wanted to make sure bringing more rifle squads wouldn't put me in the same category as the filthy Japanese list. All right, so that's we've alluded to that in episode, what, one or two? I don't know whichever one that is. Go back and listen to our previous episodes. You'll find it and our subsequent uh, clarification on that. You when I played backtracking. 40- you totally backtracked. <laughs> I backed off a little bit. <laughs> Thanks for calling it out, Dale. When I played 40... 40- well, no, I wanted to... We had a different... I mean, I, I agreed with a different stance than just calling it filthy. We'll get into it in a second. When I played 40K, a lot of folks I played brought a lot of cheese lists that, that wasn't fun to play against, left a bad taste in my mouth. I don't want to do that here. Just looking for historically accurate, but also somewhat competitive. You just got what makes to bring a, a re, as regular veteran so that isn't cherry-picking the best things from what's available. There you go. So that's his only email. I read the whole thing. Is he using the the theater selector, or is he just using standard reinforced platoon? It sounds like he's talking about tournament play, so reinforced a, platoon. Assume reinforced platoon, but he wants a Stalingrad-themed list. I, the, he says the Stalingrad theater force. I'm assuming he wants to play in a tournament, which means you'd most likely be using a reinforced platoon. So, so similar to what there. I'm doing. Um, I, I guess it kind of depends on what you're what you're bringing. Um, if you're bringing probably like two B10, PA10s or BA20s, the armored vehicles, uh, that could probably get a little hairy for people, but. Um, I mean, if you're doing infantry, I don't see why. Um, I'm assuming you're that he's not taking Panzerfaust because they weren't captured until '43. Um, right. So okay. So so your your anti-tank options are limited. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty much limited to the ZIS three or the ZIS two, which are both medium anti medium anti-tank guns yeah so i'm going to step back a second so i'm going to clarify something with ryan ryan the reason why why i feel and i'm going to i'm going to say i still think that japanese list was pretty gross and i don't know that i would like playing against it i've never faced a list like that before but i also know what i i know what i don't like and i didn't like that list but that's primarily because he was taking advantage of the his army's special rule which is by having mass troops in using bonsai charge, he's minimizing the number of pins that are dealt out. You're, you can bring as much infantry as you want, as long as you're not able to just basically shed pins like they're like they're nothing. 
right? That was the that's the trick to that list was basically saying, I'm going to maximize my my national rules for my army, and that's how I'm going to do it. Whereas I don't think you can do that with the Russian list nearly as effectively. So if you don't want to take a tank, don't take a tank. But you're also not able to basically say, I'm going to move forward with impunity and basically say, I'm never going to need to worry about pins. Right? That's the big difference between a, a super thematic, infantry-heavy Russian list versus a super-heavy infantry uh, Japanese list. Right. And... Um, yeah, the, the the Japanese list in question um, can do it um, much better and much cheaper in regards to the points cost on the on the infantry involved. And so, um, if you want to do a horde infantry list as the Russians, I think I think that's perfectly that's perfectly fine. This this reference back to that list from the Las Vegas Open was just a very specific singular situation, and I don't think you need to be worried about bringing a list like that unless you knowingly do it with Japanese, which is you'd have, you know what you were doing. So you don't have to worry about, we don't have to worry about that at all. And it sounds like your attitude is, is fine. You want to, you want to bring a list that's competitive, but also not putting people off. So I don't know exactly. And Jesse, you can speak to this maybe. Um, what would an infantry horde look like from that era that would have adequate anti-tank, um, without having to bring a tank himself? What do you think? Um, you would probably would want to take uh, your artillery observer, um, a ZIS three, and or a ZIS two, um, divisional guns, uh, mostly because you're going to want a, your air observer to kind of pin or the artillery observer to pin them down, the divisional guns, um, because the Soviets were famous for their artillery barrages and they were basically artillery as close as they could get to hitting their own troops. That's what they were aiming for with their artillery barrages at Stalingrad itself. Um, There's a lot of people's militia squads with the Stalingrad, um, a lot of inexperienced infantry. Um, So if you're running that, I mean, there's there's pluses and minuses to both to having those inexperienced squads, yeah, they're great, but you're not going to put the num as they said, you're not going to be putting the numbers uh, uh, as the Japanese are going to be, and you're not fanatical like the Japanese are. Oh yeah, I forgot that rule in there too. Correct. Um, you're not going to be fanatic across the board. And that, yeah, that's the big that's the big one that, of the whole thing. And I I think having like the prisoner squads and the people's militia squads and running those guys out in front of maybe your veterans or your SMG squads or your guard squads, you know, your, your, that would be very, um, thematic and very Russian (laughs) to have a lot of just kind of throwaway troops as well as having, you know, a few, um, heavier squads with big guns that can back them up as they get up the field. You know, there's not a whole lot of um, rule bending with the Russian rules. You know, um, you're just basically getting a lot of rerolls instead of automatically passing. No, they're, they're a solid book, and they have rules that are very solid for them. I mean, if you're if you're still following, like I've always said, if it's available in your book and you take it, you're fine. Other people might say that's dirty. That's not fun to play against. And Dale would say, 
your objective is to have a game that the other person is going to enjoy, is that something you would not want to play against? That's a different thing. But I think you're fine just following the rule selector. And, and you know, if you choose an o- your own handicap, you choose your own handicap as far as not being able to handle anti-tank better. But you know what? In a single platoon, that's one tank. In a double, which is really the max you can do at most of these turns, a 1,000 point, that's just two units you're having to worry about for six turns. Yeah, yeah, I, and I think, and I think he, he's even like, he's self-aware. Ryan's this this Ryan fellow that wrote us in. Thank you for writing us, by the way. Um, I think he's self-aware of the fact that, you know, he wants to give his opponents good games. He doesn't want to give them a bad taste in their mouth. So, I think by even having that mentality, you're going to do a good job at pro- probably minimizing that. Where someone that was looking at the rules and saying, okay, how do I maximize and capitalize on something? How do I best do that versus what's my opponent going to think of it? You've already please, got the right mindset in a sense see that I want to. Episode five at about right. one minute and 20, about one hour and 20 minutes, we talked about min maxing. I right. totally made that up, by the way. I don't I, know what time it, we did that, but we've covered that. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it's just sure. basically saying he's in the right mentality of saying, like, he's, he's in this game for his opponent's sake. He wants to make yeah. sure his opponents are having a good time. He's That's, already that, thinking about it. That's he's already that, thinking about it. You're going to be in a good spot comparative to so, so other people. So that says he's already thinking think about that. the sportsman thing. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. yep. That's so. Kudos bring what to you want. That. Yeah. Bring what you want, man. I think you're gonna you're gonna self limit yourself as far as what you can bring. I I don't think you can go wrong bringing. Essentially, you can have six squads. You can have six squads of guys, crying out loud, uh, without even batting an eye. You can so, even preempt it with, you know, I was like going through this list and, you know, here's what I thought. And I want to have a good game, but I brought this crap anyway, so let's have fun. You're like, <laughs> mm, thanks for that, dude. I'm in. A, I'm right. in. Sure. Let's do this. Are you, are, Rick, are you looking at the theater selector then? I'm not, I'm not looking at anything right now. Okay. I, I'm assuming that all, all, you know, a reinforced platoon is five squads. Yeah. Right? You can break five squads and you get a free squad. Yeah. So there's six oh, squads. Oh, true, true. Right, so that two required up to four. Right, yeah, and up then to five plus one for Stalingrad selector, or are you just I'm talking just reinforced? I'm looking reinforced platoon. So everybody gets five infantry squads in a reinforced. I thought reinforced platoon. platoon is mandatory two and up to additional four. Up to an additional three. four, three, three. So if you can have a max of five. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that's getting late. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so. So they can have six in a single platoon, which I think is is totally. No, no, fine. That's not, that sounds right. Okay, yep. yeah, yeah, six yeah. sounds right. Six total. Not scary. Nothing. Nothing. No big deal. Like, it's if you start playing into a second platoon, you might have to start worrying about how how you're balancing things and whether or not that's actually balancing, or if you're trying to capitalize on some something that you maybe shouldn't be able to do. Thankfully, your, one of your special rules doesn't have actually apply to you after the first platoon because you don't get a second free unit. So, you know, that's not as big of a deal. Yeah, you, you only get one. One free yep. squad. Um, yeah. Happen, happens to the best of us. I only yep. get one free artillery observer, too, regardless of how many I take. But I, I, I can take two if I pay 100 points for the second one. Based on how well the first one treats me, I don't know if I'd ever do that. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, we got a late question, but I think we might skip it. I'm sorry, Matt. You've 
you maybe you got us a little too late. Literally from five minutes ago, yes, what's the best Russian tank for a Finnish army? Uh, I would... I, I see a lot of T-28s is what's from... They're people. all unreliable, aren't they, though? They're all unreliable. They're, they're, they're all, all T-34, for Christ's sake. Just uh, go with that. Yeah, that sounds great. T-34. There you go. And then any thoughts on Russian plastic kits for use as Finnish gear or troops? Sure. Yeah. Yes. Sure, guys. Yes. Yeah, I mean... I, I I'm actually kind of fond Jeez. of the Finnish, the Finnish models, but that's just me. So, they they used a I'm lot. I'm often very fond of finished models. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thanks, know, Dad. Way too late. Way too late for that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. man. That was. You're trying after I made that Gremlins joke. Dale groaned that one. That's a bad yeah. indication. I I believe Eric is actually mod- modeling his. I gave him a bunch of my Russian sprues, my my gun sprues. Um, I think the numbers are are pretty staggering. They the the Finns got a lot of equipment from Germany, but majority, like two thirds of their um, stockpile, was from Russia, captured fr- in either. The Winter War, or when they uh, invaded Russia during Barbarossa. Okay. So it's, it it kind of depends on what. I guess my answer is it depends on where you want to go with your Finnish army. But if you want, if you need some Russian gun sprues, I probably have a bunch left over too. <laughs> Still, yeah, we can we can <laughs> chat with you, Matt. That's that's a little bit harder question to answer without having done a little research. But so to answer your tank question, it's the T thirty four. There you go. And maybe not. I don't know if there's any. Do the Finns even have an unreliable or a normal tank, a non unreliable tank? I don't think so. Yeah, then then whatever tank because unreliable sucks. But. You can you can mitigate it to some extent, but just keep in mind that everything is going to be unreliable. Hey, just don't get let it get shot at, and you're fine. Well, that's that's easier said than done, typically. But well, I'm trading him a T34 for a Sherman, so he'll get that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, have we got anything else to cover, guys? Uh, as far as the as far as Russians go, I don't know. I don't think we do. If anyone has anything else that they'd like to talk to us about or tell us that we're completely wrong on all of these things, which is possible. Uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter, both the Snafu Podcast. You can search for us online. Uh, people are finding our email address. I have not been advertising it. So if you find our email address, more than welcome to email us, but I'm rather you message us through Facebook. It's a much easier medium for all of us. It gives us a much uh, better response time. Yeah, when we're, when we're all able to see it without too much hassle. If I get an email, I have to send it out to you guys, and that just becomes a pain, and I don't do it. And then you guys don't know that we've gotten emails. So there's that. Um, yeah, otherwise, we will hopefully be back again, maybe prior to registration for the Renegade Open. But if not, we look forward to seeing some of you guys register. Hopefully, maybe maybe people will be interested in it. I hope so. Hey, so thanks for listening. Uh, this is Snafu. Over and out.
Don't shut up.